I don't think it's nice you laughing. You see, my mule don't like people laughing. It's the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. Cinemigos, a podcast all about expanding the cinematic horizons of its hosts, John. Okay, sir, you're a Lebowski, I'm a Lebowski, that's terrific. Rob. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? And Hydroburn. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? Ciao, and welcome to Cinemigos, the podcast all about expanding cinematic horizons. I'm your host, the cinematic archaeologist, Rob, and today we are talking about my pick, A Fistful of Dollars from 1964, directed by Sergio Leone. But before our discussion, let's introduce the rest of the group. All hail, it's Heidelberg. What's going on, buddy? Howdy, fellas. (laughs) What's going on? And the kinetic onslaught himself, John. How you doing, bud? Doug Nasty, doing good, man. Ready, ready to talk about this film. Ready to uh, discuss. I'm sure you got some fucking deep, deep, deep dives. We're gonna go in here, Rob. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, just getting mentally prepped for that. Look good, feel good, ready to pod good. You know what I mean? Sounds like a plan to me, buddy. That sounds like a uh, a nice quote. On get that on your uh, headstone. Feeling yeah. good, yeah. good, <laughs> and good. It's a uh, prime time, dude. That's Dion. Remember, prime oh, yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Man. Deion Sanders? Feel good, play good, man. Words to live well, by. Uh, yeah. Well, why did I choose the film? Uh, did you? Uh, well, I chose this film. One reason is I wanted to continue the story of Yojimbo. When we uh, when we talked about that film, I had talked about how the remake, which is this film, A Fistful of Dollars, actually was essentially they took the movie Yojimbo, made a Western out of it, and but they never gave any sort of credit or got any permission to use the story. And so there was a lawsuit. So I kind of wanted to finish up kind of telling that story. Cool. But other than that, like this film to me is just one that I grew up with. Uh, and I love Clint Eastwood. I do like spaghetti westerns. This is one of the one of the pinnacles of that genre. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I wanted to share that with you guys, wanted to get your thoughts on it. Had you had you guys ever heard of this movie? Had you heard of the director? Had you ever seen it before? Never heard of the director. Uh, obviously, very familiar. You know, Clint Eastwood's catalog is what it is. You know, I think uh, it's it'd be pretty hard to to not know about his Western movies. Right. No. Right. No, right. So one thousand percent. I had heard of the film. Um, but no, I had never seen it. And, uh, the director, yeah, fucking nope, nothing. Okay. Well, yeah. And to be honest, he didn't make very many films before he died. He only made eight films in his career. Uh, and actually all of, of the, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit later, but, uh, Heidelberg, how, how 
have you seen this film before? Had you heard of Sergio Leone? Any of any of that? I had not seen this film before, but I have heard of Sergio Leone, and he may have only done eight films, but his name is like rings true with Western. When you think of Westerns, a lot of people are going to bring up his name. So as well as Clint yeah. Eastwood's. And yes, I was familiar with the film and like the fist, uh, the dollars trilogy or whatever, like I've right, right. heard of the other films that he's done as well. Um, but yeah, um, this film has been in my mind as far as pop culture, but it was definitely a movie I needed to check off the list. As far I don't have a lot of Westerns in my background of like things I've seen M- more wa- modern Westerns. And it's definitely a genre that I think is cool. Uh, I think yeah. I enjoy it more now that I'm getting older than when I was younger. That's actually, I, I would agree with that too. Cause when I was younger, I don't think I quite appreciated Westerns like I do now. Yeah. And my grandpa didn't have as much patience too when I'm watching a film too as well. Yeah. My, my grandfather introduced some of them to me and it was just never a genre that I had really locked into. But as I got older, I was like, Oh man, these films are really good. And so I, kind of just been working through as many westerns as i can find some good some not so good uh i think this is obviously one of the one of the better films in in that catalog and it's like it's like i said it's its own subgenre because as we'll find out as i introduce more films to you guys the spaghetti western is actually very different from like your like a western made here in this country yeah it's very very different I like the spaghetti westerns, the ones that I've seen. And that term, as I was younger, I just never knew what the fuck that meant. I didn't know it meant a western made by an Italian, you know, like market or directors, like, um, you know, and actors or whatever. Well, the technique of them, like getting American actors to come over there and make those films outside of Hollywood. That's interesting. But I never knew that. I don't know. The term spaghetti western. It just always seems silly to me as a kid. I was like, spaghetti? Yeah. Like, do they eat spaghetti in those movies? Like, what what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll, and we'll actually uh, we'll talk about that a little bit too, like how how these films work, because it's um it's very different than kind of like a normal production of a film, and yeah, it, it's it's it, the the spaghetti western subgenre is actually very fascinating. And like I think you know, we, I think I read one thing I saw was I think they filmed this in like eleven weeks or something like oh, that. Oh, very, yeah, very quickly. Yeah, but yeah, um. You want to drop the synopsis? I'll drop the spoiler warning. We're going to we're going to talk about uh, Fistful of Dollars and we're going to spoil the, the film. So pause the podcast and uh, go watch the movie and come back or, you know, let us spoil it for you if you'd like. Yeah, I'll try to put on my best Clint Eastwood here, guys. All right. Cool. Wandering gunfighter plays two rival families against each other in a town torn apart by greed, pride and revenge. <laughs> That's pretty good, bro. Oh, yeah, fucking bravado. I was like, Clint, is that you? I saw yeah, some cigarettes, yeah. look like cigar smoke in the camera, and I was like, wait a minute, is that Rob or Clint? I couldn't tell. <laughs> so, as how many cigarettes that, did you smoke before you did that? Yeah, uh, a lot actually. You know, I cut a cu- I cut up a couple of cigars, and you know, I've, I've been kind of working on, them, on so. them. Yeah. Uh, so as as we talked about, this is directed by Sergio Leone. He's famous. This is the the film that really made him famous. Uh, okay. The Fistful of Dollars, the Dollars Trilogy altogether. Most people have probably not seen this or the second film. They probably know The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's really like, that's his pinnacle. Like, mm-hmm. And everyone knows the soundtrack from there is very famous. Stuff like that. And so actually there's three people that got built up a lot of fame from this film. Sergio Leone, the director, the composer, Ennio Morricone, uh, who worked 
with Leone for all of his films. He's worked for, uh, he's done a lot of films actually. And uh, I enjoyed the score on this too. Tarantino got Ennio Morricone to help with Django Unchained to do the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Some of the soundtrack there. Django! Yeah, okay. uh, well, and that's actually taken that 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 song is taken right out of the movie Django. Yeah. another spaghetti western yeah, from one of Leone's contemporaries, Sergio Corbucci. Um, and then obviously Clint Eastwood. You know, this is uh, the film that really took him into superstardom. Actually, not not unlike uh, with Yojimbo and Toshiro Mifune. I mean, it shot both the director and the actor into superstardom. And it said very similar. The director and act, the lead actor in this became huge superstars after this film came out. It's interesting that there's those parallels between the two. Uh, and they're only, what, three years apart from one another? 61, 64? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, three years apart. It's and... a cool moment in uh, like cinema, it feels like. You know what I mean? Like uh, some really good like films coming out, genre picks around this time in the 60s. Yeah. And then le- leading into the 70s, too, like some outrageous yeah. films. The 60s was a really interesting time in film because you were, were getting a shift in Hollywood from like the old studio sis- style system. And we're getting some of these like very you know, movies like this that come out and people are starting to like develop new things. Different tastes yeah. are evolving and changing. And yeah. And it, it really, everything kind of came to a head in like 69, I believe. Yeah, it does. Guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll actually talk about like the really, tr- the, the big transition in Hollywood when we come to your pick next week. Uh, we'll talk about that okay. a little bit. So uh, off the, off the bat, I just like, I started this film up and I was like, I'm digging the title card, the, the red and black. Uh, you know, I yeah. said, Cobra episode. I'm just a sucker for red and black and like an intro, like with the horse ride. It just set the mood right away. I was like, all right, I'm here. I'm ready for some oh. Western. And the music kicked in and like uh, the score, I just, um, he did a really good job with the score. I was definitely intrigued by it in most of the scenes. Yeah. I like the, it's kind of like, uh, last couple of our, our intros to the movie have kind of, I think, take a little bit of inspiration off of 007, where you're kind of getting, although with this one, you're not really getting, the the characters in the movie but you get that very kind of cinematic you know kind of way that they're introducing the film you're getting this you're getting the soundtrack of of our main character and kind of like the main theme of the movie and it's just god it it just it gets stuck in your head i was whistling this song all fucking week it was great (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i saw right off the bat um the yojimbo like influences when we get Clint's character, Joe, he's like the nameless man for a long for most of the film until you hear his name. I don't think you hear his name until later, like the coffin maker. Says like, it, it, in the mind, you don't hear it until the very end. Tw- yeah, like, when like he's towards the, the end, he calls him Joe. So I was like, shit. Um, but yeah, like I just thought you see the well scene where he comes in. He's like a drifter, just like, um, you know, um, Yojimbo. Uh, he was, you know, a samurai uh, Ronin. Uh, what was yeah. that, his name again in Yojimbo? Sanjura? Uh, oh, Sandro, yeah. Sandro, yeah. Um, and he goes and gets his little sip of water. And as he's doing that, he's kind of checking out what's going on, the flavor of the town. And we get to see that moment with the little kid getting his feet shot at by the fucking bandits and shit. That shit was... Yeah. I'm like, man, leave the kid alone. And they beat up his dad. But the whole time, he doesn't do nothing. He's just kind of watching, checking it out. And I was Getting like... Getting oh. the lay of the land. Yeah, just like in uh, Yojimbo, when he was just sort of checking out the players, you know? Because there's a lot of players in this movie. I... Yeah. 
was definitely caught off guard because Rob had said, oh, yeah, you know, it's a Yojimbo. It's uh, basically a remake. Whoop de whoop. And I was like, uh, get the fuck out of here, dude. There's no way. And then you start watching it and it's a fucking carbon copy of that movie. Like, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> for the most, for the broadest strokes, it is. I, I do think it does branch off a little bit of because it's got that Western feel. So there's certain things that they do with the plot that change a little bit based on mm-hmm. what's happening in the Wild West at this time, as opposed sure. to, you know, Japan. And but I mean, it, it was yeah. all the way down yeah, to the, the fucking family of three and then the other two that have a, yeah. a, a, a child that is fucking irritates them to, you know, the guy, the coffin maker to the fucking guy who runs the inn and like mm-hmm. becomes like it was I was like, holy shit, this is the same movie. The two warring yeah. families. Yeah. Yeah. In different businesses. Right. Yeah. So I, I it, it's funny because I came to this movie first. I watched this. Is, uh, I had not watched any like really Japanese movies when I first watched this. So I was like, man, this is cool. I really I really like this film. And then when I saw you, Jimbo, I was like, holy shit. They, yeah. they they fucking took this movie. Like They stole this movie. It's it, yeah, it's crazy. Like how it's it's literally the, uh, the same movie. Uh, albeit with like some details change because you're you have a different setting yeah and uh, you have different weaponry that you're using um like ramon and uh our gun-toting samurai from the from that ro- rival family are kind of i forgot that dude's name similar he was cool. uh, unosuke that's what it, uh, that's what his name was and obviously like his big weapon he instead of having a revolver because everyone has revolvers yeah, he's a rifle. He has a Winchester, which is a very powerful rifle of that age. So right. it's kind of um, you do have like those, and he he's kind of a uh, skeezy type of guy. I think the only thing that is different from here is we don't have the uh, the different mayors of the town, like where you have like the uh, the silk merchant or the or the sake merchant, like those yeah, characters. They cut are those out. There. And the uh, the bell ringer is kind of a this like the like the constable, like the cop, the constable yeah right yeah, yeah but you don't you see him for like two scenes and like he's out you never see him again yeah because so. you, you see him in the end again but and I'd see my notes too I wish you got to see him a little bit more because he pops up in the very beginning and he's sort of like taunting the the drifter and yeah. like yeah and like he, he, you know you know you can make Bain money him. here but you'll yeah. probably end up dying you know like whatever you know yeah. And I just kind of like there's mo- a couple moments in the very beginning where he does like pop around the corner. He's like, hey, <laughs> he's like laughing. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm glad you were like now that you've seen both films, John, it's like, yeah, shit, this you're like, how how could these be like the same movie? But they are. It's 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 yeah, no, they, they are, they're right? both good films, though. Like I do. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So it's like I get that like they borrowed and they borrowed deep, like pretty deep um, for most of it, you know, but I still kind of like the the different you know, the each the east and the west vibes of each one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, but you, you just got to give props due to, you know, Akira Kurosawa first for, you know, coming yes. up with the actual story. Right. And that it was good enough to borrow, you know, that people were inspired to borrow from it. I do like when he rides into town, too. We get to see like the noose and then we get that 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 other rider coming towards him and he's kind of trying to make out what what's up with the guy. And then we see the guy's dead and he's got like this fucking stick propping up his neck and it says adios amigo on his back and it's just sort of like yeah fuck did this guy that, like what's going on here yeah that's a replacement for like the dog from your gym yeah, that's like, what i thought like, oh, too. With the arm 
Yeah. Yeah. Dog's got, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's like, that's what I like though. There's like these moments of like, yes, it's the same scene. You might even forget how it played out in the first, cause we just watched your Jimbo. So it's a little fresh, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. Just like they, they took the scene, but they did at least do something creative with it and change it for what they needed enough. You know what I mean? So it's the same beats, but it's cool. Cause it's like, well, instead of the dog, it's this. And later on it's, you know, there's, uh, there's some other aspects that they change around. Like what the, what the two families do instead of prostitution and, and alcohol, you know what I mean? They're doing drug running. I mean, um, gun running and um, what's it called? Uh, and alcohol. So it's like, yeah, they change like, a couple of things around. They're smuggling different things, like mainly like gun, the gun merchants. That That's kind of like their, yeah. their craft and their fun. Cause they, it looks like this is a border town. So they're kind of playing both. I think the, the Mexican officials and the American soldiers. Yeah, we see that later on with that meat. Yeah. That was a fucking dope scene. That was a good scene. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. The way he's just like, yeah, we'll check it out. Uh, we'll check it out now. And he just like rides off and you just see the, the curtain open up and the, the, uh, the wagon, bro. Yeah, and he's got that Gatling gun. And then you see that it's Ramon. So I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's, where he is. Uh, but like, well, we, we start off too. like once he gets into the town, like he gets uh, uh, he confronts what turns out to be the Baxter family. And yeah. he doesn't even like, like they come. They just like greet him. And fucking shoot at his mule or his horse. Yeah. It was a horse, right? It was a no. It was a mule. I thought they were calling it a mule as disrespect. It was a mule. He was riding it. Was mule, oh, that yes. is kind of funny. Then they were like, "Look at this motherfucker on a mule." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't take two cans in your hands. Can't even fucking afford a horse. Yeah. And so uh, obviously the the mule gets scared, runs off, and he just grabs onto the uh, the cantina sign. And is like. Hello. Hey, yeah. It's like, yeah. hello there. <laughs> he kind of just ignores those dudes for that moment. He's just like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to show you any emotion about, you know, what you just did. Yeah. And we kind of get like an idea of like the uh, we get that similar scene. It's like he comes in, gets get something to drink, something to eat. It's like, well, I can't afford to pay you. It's like, yeah, it's OK. Just, you know, you know, get you heard it before, too, because he's like, I'm, you know, he says something like he goes to set it up and he's like, let me guess. You don't have any money. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like well, and no then he even tries to like usher him out. He's like, fam, here it is. Don't worry. You don't got to pay me. Just get the fuck out. Just don't stay. And it's here. not even about I think he just is like, don't stay in this town. Like, right. Right. Yeah. You, you don't need to be here. It's yep. dangerous around here. Right, have the water, have the meal. Yep. Go on. Get. Yeah. Actually, one thing that I do enjoy a little bit about like this character in Silvanito as opposed to the uh, similar same character in Yojimbo. Yeah, yeah. He um he actually kind of like works with our, yeah, he gets involved. our main character a little bit more. So we get yeah. we get more of that character, which I I kind of wanted more of that in Yojimbo as well. So that that was kind of cool that we got to see him kind of Yeah. And he's, he's just got a little more grit to him. You know what I mean? He's a mm -hmm. he's a little more like we're I think it's a difference of cultures too. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. These are we. He was uh, he's Mexican, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then so we got and then we got the gringo who's in town. So it's a little different than the, uh, you know, Japanese culture. I do like uh, Ganji's place, though. I liked his place, the way his place was like tra it would transform. He could put like the, the, yeah, uh, that pull the walls that out and look through and stuff like that. I like that aspect of his store. Totally. Yeah. But uh. Oh, one thing I got to mention too. So there's nobody ever in the cantina. No, he uses no. it. <laughs> nope. It's just a building that's there in the town. Yeah. Uh, and the, we, town. we also meet our, our coffin maker, Perry, uh, 
Perry Perro, I think is his name. I don't remember I was, his name. I, it's a hard there's name. There's no rivalry. Be, like, there's none of that discussion, though, about uh, the way it was in Yojimbo, where he was sort of like mad at the coffin maker for making money off of no, the fortune. Yeah, it was a little oh, different Piri, here. Piri Perro, that's his name. Piri Perro, kind of an odd-looking dude. Uh, but one thing I forgot to mention too with these uh, with these spaghetti westerns is that this film it's an Italian, Spanish, and German co-production, mm. and the, the only American actor in this film is Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, everyone else is from either Germany, Italy, or Spain, or like. And that was uh, a trend with like most of these films, but they would what, they would get like a an actor from America. Yeah, they would get like or like, famous, like their leading guy. So they would get famous actors from different countries, and because yeah. these films would be shown around the world. Yeah, uh, and so That's why there's so many they, dubbings for them. Yeah, and actually, a lot of these other actors, they are for the most part fairly famous in their their locality. Like the guy who plays Ramon, he was actually a really famous Shakespearean actor in uh, in Italy. I was gonna say but, he was uh, Italian, right, Ramon? Yeah. But so, like, when this film would be shown in Italy, it would obviously be shown in Italian, and you'd actually get his real voice. And so that was a big draw for the Italian audience. Like, oh, I want to see, you know, his yeah. real name is Gian Maria Volante. Like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to see him. Like, he's awesome. It's Western, yeah. And so they're going to see him. Whereas, like, in the U.S., although Clint Eastwood is a fairly unknown a guy at the time, he was just a character that played on the show Rawhide. But like more, oh yeah, cool. There's this you know American actor that's there. Let's check this out. And uh, but yeah, that's how it, it would work. It's kind of like odd. You have all these characters from different localities that are, and they're going to show those films in those localities with like the actual actor's voice and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting too because it's and it's also based on a, a Japanese story. And then we we're we're showing it to different audiences from different all around the world with different actors in it and. The story about, uh, you know, the West in America and Mexico and like that time frame. But it's weird. It's it's a mishmash of things, but I think it all works out really well. Also, can I just say Clint looks awesome in this movie? Like, I love his garb, but dude, his fucking hair was impeccable, bro. I just like, dude, there's a couple moments where I was just like, you know, I'm like, this motherfucker is too handsome, bro. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So they worked on uh, that. That was the one issue because Clint Eastwood was not the first choice for Sergio Leone. Um, they want somebody a little bit more gruff looking. Well, so his the guy that he really wanted was uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of this actor, uh, Henry Fonda, who's a very famous actor from like the uh, 40s, 50s, 60s, uh -huh. did a lot of Westerns. A great actor ended up being in a Leone film uh, yeah, later on. Um, couldn't get him because like the his uh, the script was like no I don't like the script he didn't want to do it and then because the Magnificent Seven was such a huge hit from like 1960 he was actually trying to get some of the guys from that uh, movie onto his to be the lead he wanted Charles Bronson same thing didn't like the script didn't want to do it and then uh, James Coburn who's also in that uh, he was too expensive because he only had fifteen thousand dollars to spend on his main star. This is a very low budget film. It was, it was I think it was $200,000 that they had to work with. And so Leone uh, knew of the show Rawhide in America. And he looked at the star and uh, one of the stars in Clint Eastwood. He's like, 
that's our guy. But he was too handsome. You're right. He was yeah. too handsome. So it's like, okay, we're going to trade his attire. Let's say, let's say if we get him with a beard, maybe we kind of like darken his skin up a little bit, like show like he's been he's a little bit more weathered. By the end of the film, yeah. it comes together more like he's because he's been beaten up. And but at the beginning, he looks very clean. Like, I don't know. He's, he's like poncho yeah. clean. And but it looks I love the style of, of his like garb. And, yeah, most of the costume was uh, was uh, Clint Eastwood came up with most of the costume stuff. He brought like the boots that he's wearing. That's from his, the show Rawhide. He brought huh. those with him. He bought the, like the pants, the poncho, the hat, and some of like some of the stuff he had mul- multiple things of. But like most of the costume, he there was like the costume he wears at the beginning of the film. That's what he had to wear throughout the entire yeah. production. Yeah, and so and he's like, if I lost that hat, there's no more hat. You know, it's, <laughs> we had to start over again. So, I man, love those fucking cigs, bro. I know. Yeah. He crushed them. Dude, he was like sleeping in bed with one. Yeah. He's like, does he even sleep in that scene? He's just like in bed. He He's still got his clothes on. He's like a kid like trying to sneak out at night. So he goes For to sure. bed with his clothes on. Hey, mom, I'm going to bed now. Yeah. And then Don't worry. Up, dirty the sheets. Ready to go. Yeah. I was like, whoa, bro. But yeah, um, I do think so. It's cool. They set up. They set up the town uh, pretty well in the very beginning right off the bat and we see that people seem to be either getting rich in this town or dying and there's right. nothing here and he uh joe even says he says i've never i've never saw a town as dead as this one and you could tell he's been around so you know that must mean something yeah because it's it's essentially it's one gang or the other that's pretty much the entire town like the rest is like you have the uh, the family that is held hostage, uh, Marisol and like her mm-hmm. husband and her son. You have the ca- uh, the cantina owner, Silvanito, and you have the coffin maker, Piripero. Yeah, and, and then there's that. some like background people, but they're like, uh, you know, they're, they're not named half of them. But yeah. I, I like the scene where he goes up to the balcony and um, so um, what's his name? Silver, Silvanito. Silvanito. He's like, yeah. oh, what do you, you don't need anything up there. Don't go up there. And he goes up because he's like, I want to see how things look from up there because a lot of times everything looks different when you're higher up. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then just the balcony scene kind of establishes the town. We get to see like the the outskirts of like the landscape look cool. I just like the setting looked really cool. Like whatever, wherever they built this set. And then you kind of, he gets to like pan around. You get to see the Baxters on this side and the Rojos over here. And then just how desolate everything is. And you can see the gears in his mind kind of going at that point once he's up there. And he's right. talking yeah. to Silvanito. Putting like, it together. Yeah. He's like, you know what? That like we we something can be done here. He's thinking, you know? Yeah. Who's the strongest? Yeah. I like that how he breaks it down and he asks him, yeah. And they say the Rojos, but specifically Ramon. Uh yeah. And so he ends up going over this the the Rojo sides like and he kind of just shouts at like the their building. It's like, you know, Don Miguel Rojo. It's like, you know, you know, like you're gonna wanna hire me. And he goes over, heads back over to like the uh the Baxter's side and where they they had just been shooting at his mule had scared it away. And he goes into this like fucking great speech. Well, first he he lean he as he's walking by, he tells the coffin maker. You should get because uh, coffin maker's like building some coffins. He's like, you should get three coffins ready. Yeah, and I just <laughs> he like just how he's like, oh, smile on his face. He's like, yeah, yeah you got to right. put in some work. <laughs> and he talks about it's like, it's like, you know, my, uh, you know, I really think you should apologize to my mule. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, he's like, I know my- you guys were kidding and all, but my mule doesn't really know yeah. that. And he took it serious. <laughs> and I just think that everything will be better once you just apologize to him. You know. 
and they're yeah. just like laughing. They don't know whether to laugh or not. And I like how the scene starts a little like comical, but then there's yeah. a tinge of the music changing. But he's like, I don't think it's very funny. And then he gets serious in his yeah, I, and then they get serious. Laugh. Like, yeah, he yeah. whips that poncho behind him, like yeah. gra- you know, starts to you know grab it, grab his holster, and like the one guy knows, like, oh fuck, you know, he knows that something is gonna happen. And he, like, and we see there's a fourth guy too. There's four. Yeah, there. so we're like, oh, and, like he fucking uh, blasts him, bro. Yeah, that guy spits, and then it's bam, and, like, spans that hammer and just takes them all out. And that, oh, that 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 scene is like one of the iconic scenes of the film. It's just like that's really cool. I and really like, like the tonal shifts, like how it starts out sort of just like, yeah, bro, like I'm going to make a joke about my mule kind of, but I'm about to gun you all down. And then it just kind of yeah, changes. Yeah, was, and I was like, I, I appreciated that. Well, see, because they were at a crossroad because I think yeah. they knew like this guy looks pretty fucking hard at this point. You know what I mean? And he's like, hey, you guys can fucking apologize and we can move on with our lives. But there's like this undertone of understanding where it's like, they're not going to fucking apologize. Yeah. They probably know. I, I think a couple of them know they're got there. Like, oh, shit. Like, we're, we're this is going to be a gunfight. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's that dilemma where it's like, well, shit, should we just apologize? And then at that point, though, in this town that is set up of all power, of all yeah, like being a hard ass motherfucker is your currency. You can't apologize to a fucking mule. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like there's like this there's this understanding of what it's what's going down where it's just like this guy's he's he's trying to he's giving us an out. He's trying to give us the option to 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 lose all of our manhood in this town by apologizing to his mule. But we'll live or we can go into this gunfight and potentially get gunned down or not. Either way, will they go that route and choose death essentially in the end? Yeah, and there's four of them and one of him. So they probably right. figure like, yeah, he can't kill us all. Right. 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 It's one guy. But he fucking yeah. blasts him, bro. And I like the way the oh, scene is kind of... You just see the bodies, like, tilt over. And yeah, like, and, like, the one guy, like, almost gets a shot off, but, like, he dies before yeah. he, like, claps over. And like, bam! Like, his gun goes off. It's like, oh, too late, buddy. <laughs> yeah. There's none of that, like, uh, trickery, though, with the with the gun work. Like, there's none of the spinning and stuff like that that you see in some of the Westerns. I don't know if maybe that's more... Is that more of the American Western... That's more um, the American Western, like, yeah. I, and I like he's there's... just quick at it, you know, and he shoots him. It's a tool of death, and it's like, and then he just puts it back. It's not like because some of those movies is an embellishment that people do with their weapons, where they, I don't know, do these. Little I think are you talking that... about Doc Holiday, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's well, he does that, it like nobody else. I think we see with more of that in. I think we see more of that in the third one. Yeah, uh, but like, no, the, in this film, like, yeah, there's no. Uh, there's none of that bullshit. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind the, that stuff either, but it's like a little spectacle. But I just yeah. like that how he's just like, he just fucking pulls it out, blasts him, and boom, he's done. That's it all away. action Eastwood, dude. No bullshit. And then you see him, it was either before this or or, or later uh, when he's like loading the gun and he's talking to Silvanito and he's got it open and he's just putting it one bullet at a time. He's kind of flicking each one in there as he does it. It's a little thing he was doing with his fingers, I noticed when he was loading it wasn't just like jamming him in there he was just sort of like mm, and then he'd spin it and then flick the next one in there he'd like place it in and flick it in the hole all the way and i was just like that was yeah. interesting i went that seemed like something uh eastwood just did to like i think it was like so one thing that eastwood did and i think this was this is a uh a choice by him that worked he actually so he was actually supposed to have more dialogue he fought to have 
as little dialogue as possible because he felt it brought more of an enigmatic uh, look to his character, which is kind of what you want to go for. Because he wanted it to be a little bit more like Sandro from Yojimbo. Yeah, he's the nameless like, man, sort of. He's yeah, and I, so I think doing th- little things like that, instead of having the dialogue, he's doing stuff with the prop. He's, you know, he's, yeah, yeah the way he's flicking his bullets into his gun and the, the way he's doing it, th- those are, instead of having the dialogue, we're getting stuff like that. So it's like, hmm, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. So that kind of develops his character differently. So you can still see that there's some nuance to his performance and mm-hmm. he's not just exactly. like two-dimensional, like angry man. Yeah. No, that's cool. And that, that's a cool choice because a lot of how many actors would have been like, hey, give me less dialogue. Like most want more. Never. They want to be the focus. <laughs> but he's sort of like, well, this is what I think is best for the character. So I like that, you know, he had that vision and he was like, hey, just, you know, cut a little bit out. Keep him myster- mysterious, you yeah. know, because, you know, for him, he had nothing to lose. Like, you know, it's like, OK, you know, they're they're paying me for a free trip to Italy, you know, in Spain. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's like he's essentially getting paid to do this movie for a few weeks. Uh, and it's like, what does it's he have? A gorgeous to film, like, too. So I got to imagine like acting out there was probably fun. But who knows? Oh, yeah, because yeah, he, could, he couldn't do any Hollywood films at the time because his contract with Rawhide would not allow him to create a Hollywood film. What? So That's so ads. this was yeah. So th- this was the workaround. It's like, well, I get to do a film. Outside I get paid. I'm getting paid, and I get a free trip over to Europe that I've never been there okay. before. So it's like, what does he have to lose? So he's like, he took it seriously, obviously, but it's like, yeah, we're just gonna go there. We're gonna have fun, and we'll see what happens. If something comes of it, that's like just you know extra pudding for me. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, cinematic history. Yeah. Uh so then Joe meets with Don Benito, right? Rojo, the eldest Rojo. I want to say Miguel, brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's paid for killing Baxter's men and he's given a place to stay. They say he could stay there. And it's a good scene. I thought it establishes the Rojos pretty well um, that there's several of them. And um, there's uh, there's more importantly is the suit of armor, too, I think, is alluded towards at this part. And that's that suit of armor is going to come back into play like a couple more times in the film. Yeah. Yeah, of it, at least. And I thought that was pretty cool that it's just in there and we focus on it. We get to see around that one area of the chest where the heart is, where the most bullet holes are. So that sort of cues us in on like, well, and then he tells me, you know, my brother likes to shoot that when he basically saying like when he doesn't have live targets to kill, you know, he'll shoot that, that armor or whatever. And I just thought it's cool when I watched it later, when I got towards the end, I was like, Oh, it's cool. The way they brought that back in to the film. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So in, in similar fashion, like, yeah, he gets paid uh, by the, uh, uh, by the head of the Rojo family. But then we have uh, one of the other Rojos, uh, or I think it was Ernesto is the other character. And Esteban. he, uh, Esteban, Esteban, not Ernesto, yeah. Esteban. And he's like, you're going to trust this American. He's like the youngest brother, you could tell. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, so then we get that similar scene where we got in Yojimbo, where it's like, they're going to like, they're going to kind of try to fuck this guy over right, and right, take right. the money back. And so, and obviously, yeah, he, uh, uh, Joe ends up hearing it. Yeah. He's like, okay, I see what these people are up to. <laughs> and so he's like, and when they're trying to set him up for the room, he's packing up. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really want to stay here. You know, it's like, it's okay. He's snuffling, you know, and he's like, I don't really want to be around this type of situation. Plus, uh, your, you know, your brother said he didn't need me right now. So, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, it was smart of him. He overheard what they were saying. And I like the way the scene plays. It was like Esteban wanted to be aggressive. His his brother was like, no, nah, no, nah, let it chill for right now. Like, 
because his brother's like thinking, I want everything to go smoothly with the military thing. I don't want anything, you know, getting in the way of that situation when they get to yeah, town. We don't, we don't really know what they're up to, but like they yeah. have some other operation that's going on. So they don't want to yeah. like. At first I took it like, well, the military is going to be in town. I want everything to look squeaky clean. Right. We, I don't realize at this point yet that it's like a heist thing that they're they're planning. Um, but yeah, I was just like, okay, there's something about the military coming into town. He's sort of like nervous about that. So he wants to. I'd rather give this guy a hundred bucks for killing a couple Baxters and call it a day and have this guy neutral for right now than, you know, stir the pot. But yeah, Esteban being like the, what seems like the bratty younger brother, sort of. Yeah. Uh, it's like, let me and just, he was just kill the him. I'll shoot him in though, the right? back. What? I thought he was the one who was like really good with the gun. He That was his thing. Like the older brother could shoot like the, the rifle, but the younger brother was like the kind of gunslinger one. Right? I mean, he looks like one. Yeah, that was but, but his code is like I'll just shoot him in the back. So if you're he's, right, he's right. a good gunslinger. Yeah, Esteban, we don't really actually see him do very much. He seems you know, creepy, kinda, like the creepiest he, of them. Dude, he yeah, he is. He looks real, real creepy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like so. But uh, as far as like action goes, we don't really see him doing anything to anybody. Uh, right. You know, Don Miguel obviously is kind of the head of the fa- the head brother. He's kind of runs the family. He's the older one, but like Ramon is the one that kind of makes things happen. He's the guy that's going to be killing people, making moves, kind of like putting himself in the action. Yeah, he's like the muscle and the brain. Right, yeah. And then like, uh, you know, he's like the right hand man to his old, eldest brother. But like you said, he's sort of like the take charge dude anyway. But he's more level headed than, say, Esteban, who just wants to go and gun blazing. You know, like the, the plan to hijack the fucking gold and the guns whatever that the gold, at least, was probably, you know, Ramon's idea. Like, I could see you him. Know, yeah, came up with it. Esteban reminds me of. Um, he reminds me of the uh, our 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 best friend from Yojimbo with the with the unibrow. Uh, there are no unibrows in this movie, though, unfortunately. No, that that is that's one knock I have on the film. No unibrows. Yeah, it's in my notes. It's it's going to be part of my review. How do you cut that part out, man? Yeah. yeah, he's bro. got a really greasy beard, though. His beard looks really fucked up. It's gross. He's probably just putting some product in there. Yeah, it looks like, yeah. He, dude, he looks so slimy. That's it's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe does in this moment when he's walking through the hallways, he meets Marisol. They lock eyes for a moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's this? Yeah, that's not your concern. Americano. Yeah, Chico's like, dude, that's Ramon's lady. Leave her, like stay out of it. But, yeah. but I think, he, but see, uh, I think it's also setting up because we also saw, you know, when when Joe was at the well, he saw the kid run up to the what turns out to be the building of the Rojos. He's talking about his mom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he I think he saw her face and he's like, oh, and that's why he's asking that question. Oh, who's this? And okay. he's trying to figure- I was trying to figure out, too, like, how did he make the connection who she is? Yeah, so I think, I don't know if it's like, it, it's, I don't remember if it's explicitly sh- we see her face at that time, but I'm sure Joe did. And so He may not know at all, but it, us as the audience know that that kid and the dad were like, you know, in that moment, they're, you know, their mom's gone, his wife. And then yeah. later on when we see the kid, we get to see that scene with the exchange. So like, maybe that might have been when Joe came around to it and decided, well, I'm going to help them out. But I don't know. I don't know because I didn't see. I saw Chico. I think it was who was shooting at the kid, right? In that yes. early scene, yep. and I don't remember ever seeing anybody in the scene besides the two guys and the kid. But no, like, like oh. I said, it's more of a like 
when you when you've seen this film as many times as I have, I like what I'm assuming is happening is that Joe saw who was in that like okay because there was note. like a, some meaningness behind behind their look at each other in the hallway for a split second. Yeah, yeah. Joe just seemed to either recognize her or well, at first I didn't re- I didn't put two and two together that she was I thought she might have been like a romantic um, partner or something like that, and, and they were going to go for in the film like they were going to kind of go a little bit off script from Yo Jimbo and give him like. Mm-hmm. A lady friend or something. I don't know. Yeah, actually, there was going to be a, a love scene in this film, but they cut it out. <laughs> That's probably better off that they did anyway. Thank God they did that. Yeah, I don't think I think it could have messed with the pacing of the film, which I do think is a strong quality of the film. Yeah, nice crisp hour and a half. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Um. So the military does show up. Like what the next day? Yeah. So the, and so they they come and. You know, everyone's kind of like, oh, the military's in town. What are they up to? I, I think this is the Mexican military that shows up. Yeah, in this town. yeah, yeah. And then, like, uh, Joe's like, I really wonder what's in that. Um, what's it called? The wagon. The stage yeah. wagon yeah. yeah, the stagecoach. And like, <laughs> what was it? Silvanito says, uh, well, you could find out. You could walk up to it. And if they try to look in it and they pull guns on you, then it's gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? That's a good idea. And that's what he does. He like kind of fucks around with the horse and then looks in there. And- they stick a gun in his face, and I like, thought that part was hilarious, dude. When he did, because he looks over at him, and you can tell, like Clint Eastwood's character is like, "Oh shit!" Like mm-hmm. I didn't think of that, but yeah, that's a damn good idea, bro. Did <laughs> like that, and that kind of like had that Yo Jimbo feeling too, where Yo Jimbo sometimes would play a little dumb, and not uh, Sanjuro would play a little dumb in certain scenes just to mm-hmm. kind of you know get the other people to talk more or do stuff. So it was like interesting to see him like Clint sort of acting dumb, like, Oh, look at the horse's eye. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, yeah. Like, he shakes his something. head. So then the guy looks at it. Yeah. And yeah, he's like, and kind of walks yeah. away and the guy's like, well, what's wrong with the horse? And then yeah. he gets his head in there. Yeah. Funny little scene. But yeah, then they follow the military to the meeting, which I saw it looked like it was an American, it was American military meeting them there. Right. Crossing over. Yeah. So the, uh, so yeah. So this is where we get that scene, like where, because it's uh, okay, they they're kind of like laying down at the at the end. Him and Silvanito are kind of like hanging out, and it's like the next morning. Joe apparently did not sleep, or like you know, at least slept with his clothes on. And as soon as like they were, they oh, the military's moving. I wonder what uh, so so early in the morning. Why? Yeah, let's go follow them. And so they end up doing that. Like he pulls off the sheets, and it's like he's already ready to roll. It's like. Boots don't worry. He's like puts in his cigars. Like, don't worry. I didn't. I didn't dirty the sheets. And so he's he like, on first day of school, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up heading on the horse, and Sylvania's like, "Wait, I will go with you." And th- this is why I, I I like that there's a little bit more interaction between these two characters, uh, unlike in Yojimbo. We get to see like they uh, meet up with like find a perch where they can kind of you know hide, and they see what it looks like the American military and the Mexican military. And they're supposed to be like a, an exchange of gold for guns. Yep. And when it gets revealed that the American military, it's all a disguise. Those are uh, Ramon and like his men are, have taken these uh, American soldier uniforms and they're going to massacre the Mexican military. And so not only are they going to keep the, the American, the, the the American military guns, but they're going to take the gold too, right? And make themselves more powerful. And man, that scene is fucking crazy. That's a good scene, yeah. It's cool setup because, like you said, you get um, Joe and Silvanito on that ridge, which 
looks cool, but I'm also looking at it like distance wise. I'm like, I feel like they just see your ass from that angle. But oh, for sure, that was cool. Um, or they'd see your horses, like <laughs> behind yeah. you, still standing yeah. up, you know. But uh, I like the uh, the view of it, like coming across. It was a cool landscape shot. There's a couple cool like wide shots in this. I meant to touch on it earlier, like when Joe gets into town and he kind of rounds the corner after seeing the noose guy or the guy that was dead. Like there's an establishing shot of just like the town with his back to you, to us, and there was like just cool. There's cool cinematography in this film, especially for an early film like this. Yeah. But like yeah, this so- ridge shot is cool, and we get to see the conversation that's going down and how the deal gets like goes south really fast. Yeah, the because uh, this is this is supposed this uh, scene here. It's supposed to symbolize uh, the the Rio Grande, or they call it the Rio Bravo. That's yeah. uh, and I honestly like I would not have realized that this was filmed in Spain. This yeah. this, this the whole area where this was filmed was all done in Spain. Oh, it's believable to be like the Mexican text, you know, like border. Yeah, it yeah. looks great. I think they did a great job. Uh, the the other thing that I so obviously that we have like then there's a few stragglers who are like, you know, oh, yeah, I, I just need to escape to get out of here. And they couldn't leave any witnesses that that's the trouble of this of this thing, because if there's any witnesses left over. Yeah. You know, they're, they're rubbish. Uh, and so, yeah, he's gunning Double everybody bubble. down. Double bubble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, bring it back to the gentleman. Yeah, this is a, a, this double, is a bubble double bubble moment. right here. They got the guns yeah. and the gold, you know. Yeah. You know what it you know what I I get this scene heavily reminded me of uh uh No Country for Old Men. Yeah, that like that's the vibe I got. Like the in uh obviously the action's all taking place when he come when he comes across the scene, right? When he finds the money and he he's like guy, last ombre, and he goes and tracks him down. But it just that that was kind of like the vibe I got. Oh, and as they're like sitting there watching these two sides about to just go at it. And I was just like, oh, shit, this is that is a good take because it's a it's a deal gone wrong, just like the deal, except we never see the deal go wrong. And right, like, right. But yeah. And we do get that elevated shot of like uh, Llewellyn looking at it from a distance, right. uh, you know, like down there uh, trying to put the pieces together. That is a cool comparison. And it's taking place, yeah. around, you know, like the border area, too. So, right, right. See, there you go. You guys are becoming cinematic archaeologists yourself. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Cormac McCarthy like did take inspiration from this film. I, I'm, I, I think he did. No Country for Old Men to me is like a modern Western in a sense of like yeah. modern times. Like it's a cowboy film in a sense. Heist film. Like it's it's got, a, I don't know. I love it. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just proud of your archaeological uh, findings there. Yeah, yeah. That was good, John. Um, the um, double bubble. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and what it turned, what we find out after after everyone is dead, is that Ramon and his group had also killed all the American soldiers. And so, it's, okay, let's change uniforms. We're gonna put the uniforms back on the soldiers. Man, we're gonna sta- yeah, we're gonna state we're gonna stage the the scene to make it look like it was a deal. Like, yeah, it was a deal that went bad, and they all end up killing each other. And that's so that way, if any any military, either U.S. or Mexican military, comes upon this scene, they're not going to think it's clear. Yep. Yeah. Which is smart. Yes. It was a good plan. And this, but you know, because if this is also where we see the smartness of Joe, because he 
he's like, hmm, how can I use this to my advantage? <laughs> and <laughs> uh, what he comes up with is that he's going to steal two of the bodies. Yeah, well, he meets uh, up with them that night. Yeah, well, this is well, he banks the information first. Yeah. Because first, there's really nothing to do. Then he goes back, and then that's when he finds out that they want peace. He's like, we're going to have peace yeah, tie with the Baxters, and everything's going to be all good. Like, we're not doing that shit no more. Like, life is cool. We don't need that around these parts. And then that's yeah, kind of when he, 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 like, brings it back and is like, oh, okay, watch this, motherfucker. Yeah, it's at that point like... where he really starts pitting them against each other yeah. after the dinner. Um, this is when they start throwing that party, right? Yeah. Uh, when they're um no, there's another scene later. I think when they when they're celebrating. Oh no, that's after that, that's after they uh after they uh think that they kill those two guys. Okay, so no, so this is where yeah. Uh, but it turns out like oh well, my services aren't needed. He hands back the gold to Don Miguel. It's like, well, I don't really like taking money that I haven't earned. And it's like, well, why don't you stick around, uh, you know, uh, amigo? It's like, I don't think the Baxters would really like me hanging around town as you know, you know. Because I, you know, put four of their people in the ground. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're going to appreciate that too much. Right. And he gets out of there. I do like we get Baxter um, Consuelo's, the the wife, her speaking to her people and like the music that swells during that moment. We're kind of trying to like prep talk, talk them into like, well, we're going to go over. We were invited for dinner. We're going to go do this thing. But, you know, but we're I mean, not going to eat. We're not going to take anything I, of theirs. I kind of liked that. Uh, this like spirited woman kind of telling everybody like this is what, how it's going to go down I like I yeah. very similar to the the same character in yojimbo she was the same way she was yeah. the one who was like yeah cut cut them in the fucking back get rid of them like keep them uh-huh. yeah, totally. so yeah so we get so we get that there we actually we don't get any of that scene of like the discussion between the rojos or bastards I, yeah, I, that's actually one thing I was like, I could have used an extra like scene, like a 10 minute scene of like, you know, kind of the tension that is between them. Yeah, uh, I, like I think that would have been kind of interesting. But yeah, it's OK. Yeah, it, one it of works. my critiques, actually, because I, I think the Rojos are more established than the Baxters as far as like. That is true. Yeah, I they, just wish we kind of spent a little bit more time seeing what's going on behind the scenes with the Baxter family, too. Uh, centers more around the Rojos, and I think Yujimbo did a better job of balancing that uh, with both the families. That is true, because uh, the only thing that we really get about the Baxters is that the head of their family, uh, John Baxter, he's the sheriff of the town. Yeah, and but he's a gringo, right? Yeah, like they're a gringo family. That's yeah. that is correct. Right? So you yeah, figure, like they're unwanted here. Like they, they, this town does not want you here. Like the residents probably don't like the Baxters. You know, they're gringos yeah, that moved in all- and started making money here. Right. And this is also the time of like Western expansion from the U.S. Yeah. So like you know this is probably this used to be a part of Mexico, but maybe now this is a an American town. So they have uh, instituted uh, uh, an American as the head of the town as the yeah. sheriff. Yeah, and so yeah, so of course like you know this other family that's there and you know probably doesn't want them there, and that's why there there's that tension, but. From what we understand of the Baxters too, like they're not they're they're dirty. Like they they're doing bad things as well. He's a he's a corrupt cop. He is a corrupt sheriff, mm-hmm. and he's probably doing things like trying to you know mess with the Rojos and kind of claim all that money and you know uh, whatever for himself as well. But like like I said, we have to kind of guess what what that's like. We don't actually get the. Uh, you know, the actual backstory between them. I feel like, yeah, like I said, the Rojo, like you said, the Rojos are much more uh, fleshed out as opposed yeah. to the Baxters. 
So that leads us into what you were going to say, the cemetery scene. Oh, so, so what, uh, he had, so Joe has Silvanito help him like, uh, to like, all right, we're going to, they, they go back to the site. They he doesn't even do tell it. him about it either. He's just like, they're chilling. And that the coffin dude shows up and he's like, Hey, I got those two coffins for you Yeah, on the back yeah. of the fucking hit. The, 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 what's it called? That like little wagon that they the have wagon. Yeah. The horse wagon or whatever. And Silvanito sort of like, what? And he's like, yeah. take a ride with me. Sort of. Yeah, it's like I often find that like I can, uh, you know, dead people are very useful. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, like, we gotta I... take a trip down to the water or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so they don't really show us, but obviously they grab two bodies uh, on the Mexican side, military, and take them, put them in the coffins, and then take them to the cemetery. Where Joe and has so- this sort of convoluted idea too. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so here, here's the thing, though, is. The one thing that the other the other part about like the, the films of this era too the day for night shots it's like you think it's like oh it's just it's like kind of like the we know it's not shot at nighttime it looks like daytime but like yeah, but I there is like a, I didn't even notice that oh okay well it worked for you I'm just saying like, for, it, I've seen I've seen a lot of these films and especially like this era of western and this is a cheap film too all their stuff was filmed during the day. Because they didn't have like, now, except for like some of the studio. Because they just don't like, have all the lighting and stuff that you would need. To yeah, film. like some of the some of the set pieces that they created, they were able to film that at night because they could they could put the lights where they want. Yeah, but for the more for the shots that are out in the wilderness, yeah, it's hard. There's to no look. way that they don't have the budget or the way or the technology to really film it at night. So those are all what we call day for night shots. Okay. So we're we're supposed uh, because it, all this is happening at night. That and so he poses the bodies there, and so what they're gonna see is like under the moonlight. It's like they're gonna look like oh what the hell they're like standing guard, you know, like trying they're to like they're sitting guard, <laughs> they're sitting yeah. guard. And so it it makes it like it would be more believable because if it was during the daytime, obviously it's like yeah, it's like they're dead. Yeah. But no, but at night you're not seeing as well. And he obviously he's playing off both sides and he sends some information over to the Baxters that like, oh, there's, you know, if you want to get at the Rojos, there's some, there's some guys there. Like kind of spreads and, the rumor that they've seen these dudes at the cemetery. Like, like there's two dudes by the cemetery or something like that. Right. They see these. Yeah. Dudes. yeah. And Who then survived uh, the uh, yeah. like he's he spins it off like they're they're these guys that uh, they have the story. You know what I mean? They're they're hiding out. They survived. They're over there yeah. quickly. You can go catch them and then you'll you'll get the fucking yeah, you you can get rid of it. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah. And then the he, the Rojos, too. And he's sort yeah. of like, well, he tells them, yo, the Baxters are going what? to go grab those dudes that you fucked up on and didn't put all a lot of information. Way. How do you have? And he says it's like you need any little bit of information right in this town. Yeah. That's what his yeah. brother yeah. is. Yeah. Also, your yeah. life could. This plan for the um to use these bodies. That's what one moment where Silvernito um he's not really pleased with this plan. Like he's not definitely really not a drifter either. He's like I don't really like this at all, and I don't really right. like to want to do this. Like you know, obviously it pans out later, you know. But at first he's just like, man, you're like desecrating the dead and using them. Like I'm not cool with this really. And this guy's grave that we're using, like he was it, the one good guy. He's or he's like the one guy that died of pneumonia. So I took oh, that. That's what it, hey, yeah, don't yeah, curse yeah. this fucking town. Like only one person ever died of pneumonia here. And we kind of dodged that bullet. So, uh, you know, you're not going to do something on his grave and it's going to curse us. Yeah. 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 The um, I wasn't sure what they meant. 
Yeah, it's it, it's because he's like, I don't want, don't mess with the dead. Like, you know, let the dead be the dead and let the living be living. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, and he talks to us like, you know, like when I'm living, I don't want to be with the dead. When yeah. I'm dead, I want to be with the living. I want to be remain dead. It's like, yeah. you know, it, he, he was really upset about like what yeah. Joe was doing. He didn't like it. And this, what this uh, differentiates from Yojimbo quite a bit here because this replaces the scene of them taking the uh, uh, Sandro. Uh, attacking the two guys that like have information about the uh-huh. uh, the official that was murdered in the next town over, you know, to help get the uh, the inspector away from the town so that they can kind of continue their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, yeah. So instead of live bodies that he kidnapped and gave to the rival faction, yeah. he planted these two bodies there. It's like, oh, those two of those guards did not survive, and he says, hey, if you want to get the rojos, you got to capture these two two guys. Knowing that, like, they're not as skilled as the Rojos, especially Ramon, and it's like, oh, they're probably gonna kill. Because I think if the Baxters gotten the bodies, they were just like, what, what the fuck is this? There, this is doesn't seem right. And they don't even stay there to make sure the double cross goes. Like, um, the plan goes. He kind of because he does something else separate while this is happening. Because that's his way of. Also, now he's gotten all most of all the Rojos outside of their their encampment right their um, estate or whatever so now he infiltrates it while they're out there at the cemetery having this uh, gunfight with the baxters yeah and i like this scene too where he like tricks fucking chico he gets at chico where he's like shoots at him from the darkness yeah yeah he's like hiding but just like shooting at his foot the same way that he chico did to the kid right yep yep and chico's bugging out like who's out there what the fuck what the fuck and then I like how he like gets he triggers that fucking door to flap in and then hit fucking Chico in the head. Nah, nah. <laughs> it was great. I was like, that was funny. And then he sneaks in. And that's where he finds um that's where he finds the empty casks, right? Yeah, so he that because he knows that they have the gold. So yeah. he's looking to where they stashed it. And he does end up finding the the barrel that like it kind of like oh crap. Like cause he's like, nope, that's beer, that's whatever. Yeah. You know, he's tapping him. Oh, by the way, did you notice his gun handles? Uh, there, uh, Heidelberg. Do they are they supposed to look like what's his name's from uh, your Jimbo's or? No, 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 no. So, what was the animal that was on his uh, uh, on his gun handles in this movie? Yeah, I couldn't a lion. It was a lion. Who else had a snake on their gun? Snake Pluskin. Oh, cobra. Bingo. I just wanted to bring that. I was like, I thought he had some kind of like um, plated something or something like the gun handle looked like it had some custom work. Yeah, I meant to bring that up. It's like, yeah, it's like it's. I'm I'm wondering if uh, Sylvester Stallone was a fan of this film. It's like, fuck yeah, that looks cool. I'm gonna put Cobra on my fucking gun too. Fuck, dude, Cobra (laughs) feels like a fucking lifetime ago, dude. Yeah. (laughs) So he takes out Chico. It's comical. I liked it. Yeah. And uh, he yeah, also he the, the gold. Yep. And then and I think he was just wanting to know where it was. Yeah. And he was maybe going to come back to it later. He's like, think, oh, well, he definitely takes was, a bag. He does. He does take a bag. But he like, there's more in there. Yeah. And then uh, he hears somebody coming yeah. and he hide thing is like one of the one of the guards. And in typical, uh, especially this era of Clint Eastwood, Dude punches that. Uh, I said before that sometimes you just gotta slap a bitch. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. something along those lines. So whenever we do his uh, his directorial debut, play Missy for me, we'll see the same thing happening. <laughs> yeah, he punches her. It's a funny scene too. She's sort of like, yeah. 
<laughs> she goes up against the wall. And he's got this look on his face like he couldn't even see who he was punching. It was like obstructed by just like his fist. You just see his fist like, ugh. Yeah. And then you see his eyes like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, that's not who I was trying to punch. Sorry. Yeah. And he knocks her out. Then he tries to revive yeah. her. And he brings her over to the uh, the Baxters. Yeah. Because he hears like the Rojo is coming back. So he's like, shit, I got to get out of here. So I yeah. think he improvises this. You know what I mean? He's like, fuck it. She fell in my lap. I knocked her out. Fuck it. I'll take her to the Baxters and I'll spin it once I get there, you know? We'll do yeah, it. The, oh, so what we didn't talk about is how he initially gave that, got that information over to the Baxters about like, which kind of got this scene going is he snuck into the house, uh, into what turns out the character's name is Consuelo. She snuck into the, uh, to the bedroom of the Baxters and gave them the information that there's what the Rojos had done and that there was two soldiers that survived. And if they want to, uh, if they want to, you know, get one over on the Rojos, get those two guys. They're hanging out at the cemetery, do all that. And he actually, well, he ends up when uh, uh, John Baxter comes into the room, he, you know, kind of hides behind the door, grabs his gun. It's like, you never know what, what uh, a man's going to do when he sees a man's uh, yeah. in his wife's in bedroom. Wife's bedroom, yeah. Which was smart. So, so now he's sort so of got he, like a little bit of the trust of the Baxters. He's got yeah, and he got like $500 from them. Like, so he's just collecting money all over the place from these people. Yeah, boy. Uh, which is kind of a, a also a difference from Yojimbo as well, because in that film, you uh, Sandro never actually really. Co- he, he, I don't know. Man. I thought Sandro still took a little something. Yeah, he was he was getting bread in Yojimbo. I no, just... but he always gave it back. That's no, I, I think he used some of it sometimes too. But I, I thought he gave it all the way to like the he family. He saves those kids, and then he give he saves that family, and then gave it all. I to never him. took it like he was rich off it. Like he did give most of it back. He always just took enough. It felt like to move on to the next adventure. Like he's got some traveling money. You know what I mean? Like because he doesn't have a oh, home, maybe. he doesn't stay anywhere. So it felt like to me like he's just like this is enough for me to make do, and then the rest I'll give away to the family to better them. And the re- you know like I don't want to take this blood. It's blood money or whatever. Like I don't right, know. right, right. Okay, I took it like he didn't take anything, but maybe I don't know. I mean, even here, we don't see him take everything. But, we, you know, we got $100 here. We got uh, $500 here. He took $500 twice. Once from the Baxters, once from Rojo. Or at least that's what, you know, the deal that he was yeah. doing with them. So, so he's making out pretty good. I don't know. Maybe he left this for the Cantina guy. I don't, I don't you know, who knows? I, 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 I Yeah. But uh, so we get that. Now uh, he kidnaps uh, Marisol, gives her over to the Baxters. Yeah. And what we, what we come to realize... Is that so? We see the scene at the cemetery. You know, Ramon is the one. You know, they're fighting each other, and Ramon kind of does his, you know, his uh, freaking Cobra Commando moves to shoot the two dead people in the cemetery, mm. and uh, kind of gives that message over to the back. She's like, "Well, go ahead. They're all yours now. They're dead." You know, it's like, and and what we come to find out is that they also kidnap the son of the Baxters. You know, that comes a little yeah. bit later. And well, yeah, they grabbed him at this point. Yeah, yeah. And so now that kind of leads up. Now we have that party that they're celebrating. Yeah, you know, we're 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 in the clear. And so uh, yeah, we get we get all that going on, and we get like no, because but then they get back they get back home, and Ramon realizes that what's her name's missing. Oh, okay. Uh, I I can't. Actually, towards oh no, no, you're right. That's after the Baxters are killed. 
I keep putting the party like you know. I feel like it was it was like sooner uh, earlier. Well, they've had the some get-togethers at the house, but there's that moment where Clint is like really in, like hanging out with them is later on. Um, yeah. There's the exchange, yeah, with Baxter and Marisol, which is that's the next set piece. The exchange starts to go south when the little kid uh, from earlier on in the film like is there with his dad and the cantina owner um, Silvanito brings him outside to see the exchange as they're watching it. And he sees Dude, the dubbing, on, like, the dubbing oh. on that kid was annoying. And I didn't, I didn't mind it, but I mean, it's just a little kid. But um, you kind of need him to be like a little whiny because it's it's his mom. You know what I mean? It's like mama. I guess you're right. Yeah, you know I mean? I'm just trying to figure out what was Silvanito to that dude because he clearly had something. That, it, to me, it seemed like that was his fucking kid or something because he's he he hasn't really snapped to a side this whole time, right? Like he's just kind of plays the middleman. And then at the end, when they're about to fucking kill him, he pops out with that fucking shotgun and he's like, no, nah, nobody's killing anybody. Yeah. He saves him there. Like, you know, I don't, I guess I just, yeah, you don't just do this gun. for just a random dude. You know what I mean? Like, there's, that's there's... an interesting theory, actually, John. I obviously nothing is spelled out, but that's, I think that maybe it's also, or it's just meant to show that Silvanito is a good dude. Like, he, he's not afraid to get involved. You know what I mean? Like, I could see him theoretically. But he hasn't, but the, he hasn't this whole time, though. Well, he sort of has with Joe. You know, he's been rolling around with Joe. Yeah. Uh, he's still, like, cool with what Joe's been doing besides the dead body thing. But what I do like about the scene is that, like, yeah, he's about to get involved. He goes and gets his gun because he's like, no, no, no. Because that what Ramon sends one of the guys over there to get Marisol, right? And, yeah, um, like, there's an exchange, and it looks like it's going to turn violent. And so, like, that dude's like, no, fuck this. He goes into his store. I thought for a moment, he's like, I can't watch this. But then he comes back out with this piece, and he's got his, like, sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. He's going to get involved. And that's when Joe gets involved. Because at first, Joe's sort of just watching it play out. Um, right. Because that's what he does really well. And then I feel like he realizes, Silvanito, like, you're about to get yourself killed. So he gets involved. And that's when he convinces them, like, you and the kid, you go home. And fucking, you need to go to Ramon's. Because huh. he's near his property. Like, he goes kind of goes along with it. Yeah, um, and so not very pleased with that, but at least he didn't have to watch like the little kid die, which is what he's probably. Yeah. That's interesting because I, I took it as like that 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 read when so Joe decides to jump in, and when I was watching like, it, enough that people still don't know what he's up to. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, yeah. But it seems like he only up. really cares once he finds out how much Silvanitos cares. Like that was that was like how what made me think. Yeah. Oh word! This is his like this must be his kid or something. Because he clearly has a an affection to even bring the guy out, like to even bring the guy out to to, to him and the kid to see the mom. Like you got yeah. like there's just there's there's something there. And then once this guy is like all of a sudden he's on his deck with a fucking shotgun, that's when Joe's like, oh shit, all right, I gotta I gotta fucking do something. Here. And I thought it was because he's he realized how much he meant to him. Yeah, I don't know how did, how was it in your Jimbo? Because it did play out like this too. I remember the dad coming through. It was just so he so, could see the exchange, or he wanted to see his mom because he hadn't seen her. Yeah. So he so here's here's where the difference lies. So in Yojimbo, that uh, obviously like the inn owner knew like kind of like where uh, like what had happened. He knew the story. Like they he, they weren't like family related, but he knew the story. And he's like, yeah, the guy was a gambler. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. he was a gambler, like, you know, they they lured him in and they made him like bet. essentially he bet his wife on, yeah, on yeah. like a, a on like a dice roll, which is kind of fucked up. So you, you actually like 
you get the like the the frustration of Sanchez. Like, yeah, he's like that guy is actually not a good guy. Like, if you're betting your fucking family on a roll of the dice, not necessarily a great dude. Mm-hmm. In this case, however, it seems like because the husband's name is uh, Julio, uh, it turns out like you know they they were just playing cards. And because, like, Ramon was super interested in his wife and, like, wanted to steal her away, he, uh, Ramon is the aggressor and cheats at cards. Essentially, like, hey, well, he does something else, like, to kind of, like, steal his wife from him, which is messed up. But it's not because Julio did anything. He wasn't, like, betting his family. No, no, it wasn't. He was a victim in this one. Yeah, he, he was a victim. He was He was preyed upon. And he's sort yeah. of a pro, you can tell he's like, you know. But it was this yeah. it was essentially the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, he, it was basically he, he bet money, like... he bet more money than he had, owed him money, and then lost his wife because he couldn't pay up the money, right? Yeah, but I think yeah, it was yeah. like I think he lost his wife in the in the Ojimbo, I'm not positive, but there might have been a more like he was sort of a dick about it. Like he he bet his wife, you know. Sure, sure. He was kind of, and it was kind of like a like a sad stack of a loser. Whereas in this case, like, it felt like Julio was, like, much, he wasn't as much of a, you know, kind of a he character. Of like a victim. So. Yeah, he was more, he felt more of a victim than, like, you know, this is the consequences of messing with these people. Yeah. yeah. And Joe, Joe had think that situation. Yeah. And maybe it was, like, Silvanito, it was, like, maybe he wanted to, for the people that are not connected with these two crime families, maybe he felt like, like, no, we're, yeah, I gotta protect those people. Yeah, yeah. as opposed as a, in like uh, like I gotta step in there. He's just a good dude, and he was trying to do a good thing by like here. But know. I but it's it just feels honest, on in this in this scene because it's just like comes out of nowhere because the little kid's yeah. just there with the dad again, and he's in the yeah. bar. Come out of the bar. It, but I to be honest, John, I kind of like your theory. I kind of like the idea that maybe this is Silvanito's son, and he right. that's why like I, I think that could be uh, you know there's nothing spelled out there. You know, it's it's all speculation, but damn, that's yeah. actually a cool theory. I never thought about that. Yeah, man. So after this scene, so the 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 deal doesn't go south. That the exchange ends up going, you know, okay, nobody dies. This is where Antonio we Antonio Baxter gets slapped by his mom, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yep, she, just like Joe Jimbo. And so then we get the we get the celebration where, and he joins in on the celebration with them. Yeah. Yep. And we get to see Ramon. They do the little shooting of the armor. They bring the armor out, and they're drinking. Jimbo shoots it a couple of times. I mean, Jimbo, I fucking um, Clint <laughs> Joe a couple of times. Joe, yeah, shoots it a couple of times, and then we get to see our boy with the rifle yeah. really go at it. And that's where we get the uh, the exchange about the rifleman up against the forty five. Yeah, and that if yeah, uh, Mexico. A when a Winchester meets a Colt forty five, you know, it's like the the rifleman, yeah. the the, the rifle guy with the Winchester is going to win. Yeah, he's which was a nice setup to be honest. He's dead. Yeah. Which is yeah, it comes back into play later. But and then we see like Joe fucking we see well, we see Ramon leaves. He's got to take care of something, some business, and he leaves with a couple of his men. And everybody else is just like partying. And Joe like fucking parties it up with them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and like gets real he drunk. Quote parties up. Well, he does drink. Them. I mean, he's he's probably just better at holding his alcohol than he's perceiving like letting them see. But he's he's like fucking guzzling that shit down. I think he is putting on a show. I don't think that he's actually drinking. I don't think he ends up drinking anything. No, he does. I mean, you could see it going down his fucking mouth. Okay, well, I'm just because obviously it spills over, but um, you know, because he's drinking. I think he just went hard on a couple just to make it, and then he poured the rest. You know what I mean? Just to make it look like he definitely took in some alcohol. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The gag, you know what I mean? So people would believe it. But like, right. once the other guy started to get, like, a little bit, like, you know, slosh, she's like, okay, I'm like... Yeah, then know. he downplayed it and didn't, you know, but just right. acted drunk. And then, yeah. you know, drunk enough that they had to carry him to his fucking room and shit. But yeah, uh, and then Ramon heads out. Like I said, he heads out to take care of something. Um, and he has Marisol brought to the farmhouse at that moment, too. He sends her off because yep. uh, he's not going to be there. And Joe goes there and rescues her and returns her to her husband and son. And it's a cool scene the way he kind of goes in that house and like he, he like headbutts did, the door open. Did I? Am I wrong? Did he headbutt? He sizes up the door when he knows it's the door with, that they're behind and like <clears throat> hits it with his head and then it just comes through and he's. I thought like either shouldered it or kicked it open. I maybe the shoulder, but it looked like he literally headbutted it too. I was I meant to I rewind just, it, but I. I got wrapped up in the shootout right after. I was like, yeah, oh, like yeah. hello. And like, he just like has his gun popped out. Yeah, and like, they're like, what the fuck? And it's like, record playing. You would have heard it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, 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 that, the cat that comes like running out after us, like, <laughs> yeah. And then one dude does like a spin, like kind of sets off the, sh- like he thought he was going to like spin attack, I guess at Joe. And then Joe, just yeah. Started- and Joe just takes them all out. And then he kind of trashes the place. I thought he was going to light it on fire. That, that's why he was hitting sticks on the ground. Because I was like, there's some flames over there. I was like, yeah, light it up. Yeah. But yeah, he just like trashes the fucking place. And then he finds across the street. What's her name? Being kept. Well, because and- uh, so like because Marisol is in that in that building, too. And obviously she's a, oh, yeah, uh, I- awoke- and she's awoken by the- all the commotion. The kid. And, and- she, call- yeah. she calls out to him to like, hey, watch out, because there's a guy that was not dead. And you just see him throw the machete at that guy. Machete, and like, yeah. <laughs> machete, machete, machete. A fucking uh, cinematic archaeology. With no, with no fistful of dollars, there'd be no machete. It's all full yeah, circle. Or uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, machete is like, he could definitely, this is 61, but this is taking place way back. So he could have had relatives living here in Mexico. Oh, probably did. You know that same Puebla. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I do yeah. like that scene plays out it, and it's uh, and then Joe, yeah, sends them off, gives them the money, a bag of money. We don't know how much it is, but it's a big bag. And then um, that could have been one of the five hundred dollars, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Like he gave yeah. them quite a bit of money, and but at he least like you know they're not bad. like they're like thank you. Why why are you doing this? Like it doesn't you know it's just get out of here. You know go. You know, they have that same dude. moment in your Jimbo. I like that they kept that kind of. He's like, what? yeah, get out of here. Yeah, get the fuck on. Go. Yeah, it's like telling a dog that you love, you can't keep him anymore. You got to go. Go on, get. Go on, get. Or whatever. But like, Henderson oh. says the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're stubborn in the first, in, the, in that one, too, because they just don't understand, like, that gesture of right. some putting themselves, like, mind boggling. Yeah. Right. Selflessness of, like, what? You're giving me a bag of money. You saved my family. And now you're telling me to, like, leave i'm right. you know it's probably still a scary thing because you're like i don't know what to do. i'm just gonna leave with my family and carry this money but still it's like fuck it's an opportunity to get the fuck out of there and change your life so he's giving it exactly. to you take that shit but he gets no, found out by ramon when he goes back right ramon's in his room yeah because because they all hear the uh the gunshots at that that place because it's not that far away yeah and you we think that joe kind of like has gotten everything done yep but ramon is very smart or uh, like one of the guys is very smart i think maybe it was uh it was esteban that was in the room and pointing the gun at him like when he walks into the room it's like oh. and that's when they you figure out that you know they knew what he was up to like they knew that he was up to something and then he gets his ass kicked yeah by all kicked the guys. Shit out of him just like they did in your jimbo too which i liked i liked the <laughs> i liked watching them just kind of throw him around too 
Um, oh yeah, it was, like, it was a good scene. Like, I, yeah, uh, I think even like in like the barrel room. Oh yeah, it's like I feel like we got a little bit more of like you know seeing him get his ass kicked more so than we did from Yojimbo. Well, yeah, this scene plays out differently. Uh, some of it's similar with the crawling and stuff, but so yeah, they beat him, they leave, they leave him, and then like he's in the the room with the barrels and he's fucking beat to shit. Yeah, uh, he passed out, but yeah, um. And then Chico comes back with like one of the other henchmen. And I love this fucking scene, the way that he got rid of Chico rolling that huge barrel into him. And it smashes yeah. fucking like, boom, like, yeah, explodes. Look Chico's face is like, oh, and it's like, <laughs> dude, I don't know what was in. Was there gold in the fucking barrel, too? Probably. No, I think there was alcohol in there. OK, because I wasn't sure if that was one of the gold ones, too, because I was like, that shit must have been heavy. Either regardless, it was heavy in the explosion that it made when it hits them. And at yeah. first, I thought they were going to make it out, but then you see, like, nah, they got bashed up against the wall. Like, they're dead. They gone. Yeah. Gone. Oh, yeah. Both of them. And I was like, damn, that was good. And then, like, Joe still beat the shit, though. So he's not like, oh, I'm just going to walk up out of here. He's crawling his ass out. He's trying to. Oh, yeah. He's got broken ribs. He's got, like, or bruised ribs at he least. He's got that Italian like... movie, older Italian movie blood on his face, where it's really. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very red. Yeah. Uh, but it looks cool. Like, I still, like, you know. I can see someone be like, oh, that looks a little cheesy. It's like, yeah, it's fucking 64, but it looks, I get yeah. it. The effect works still. He's bloodied up. Like, it looks cool. But yeah, he ca- he crawls himself out of there. But then Esteban shows up with some of the other, Ramon with some of the other guys, because they hear the, like, what the fuck was that noise? You hear them in the background. And he's not fit enough to, like, just ho- hightail it out of there. So he's right. like, around. He crawls behind the next wall and kind of hides while they go in that room. And they're like, what the fuck's going on in here? Yeah. It, it was alcohol. You're right. Because then he lights it on fire, which I thought was so dope. That oh, he yeah. It's yeah, yeah, on yeah, fire yeah. behind them to give him enough time to like, now they got to figure their way out of this fucking room and it'll give me time to crawl the fuck out of here, which he does. And, and uh, so he, he ends yeah. up like kind of crawling around and this is where like, they know this. Oh, well we need to go like, see like the, the, the canteen owner. It's like, still need to know where this guy is. Yeah. And so you see him like kind of crawl to like the window of the cantina. Well, he gets, and, first he crawls under the deck as they arrive. Yeah. He just gets under there in time before they see like come to the cantina. And then he's just under the deck the whole time, kind of listening for part of it. And then, yeah, he crawls out and goes to the window. Uh, so, yeah, like you have that. And like he hear like he sees Silvanio kind of get his ass kicked by the guys. And, and like, you know, essentially the Rojos are taking, you know, they're going to tear the town apart. Right. And that's where like he's like he kind of like sneaks over to the the coffin maker like uh Piripero is like and he sneaks into one of the coffins and he's talking to him he's like hey you got to get me out of the get me out of here. Yeah. And he this looks is like average like, shit. Bro. Dude, like, he looks, looks terrible. so cuz he was like such a cool guy in the beginning of the film and now he just looks like so fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah he, he hides in the coffin on the on the wagon and he's like yeah you got to get me out of here. So he's he agrees to it. And they start getting out of there. And then they see the scene where Ramon goes after the Baxters. They light fire. Well, they blow up the front, like, fucking... The front, like, fence. Yeah. And then they light the house on... Or they light the front of the house on fire with, like, fucking alcohol or something. Yeah, because like, that's, uh, like, the, the barrel. They're, like, tequila barrels or whatever the fuck that is. It was is. cool the like, way they, they pull in with the wagons and then the kind of just, like, let them roll out into in front of the house and bash them. And then yeah. just light it up. And then, yeah, like... Which is a good plan. You light something on fire and then there's like one entrance. People come out of the entrance and you just fucking shoot them, you know? Open, yeah. open yeah. fire on them. People surrendering, but the Ramona, Ramona and his guys are just fucking blasting. Yeah, because they're they're looking for Joe. 
that's what they're and he's like oh they must be he must be with the, the smart move would be it would uh, if he went to the baxters that's why they attack that house um and obviously like you know he's not with them he's uh and he escapes with the uh the coffin maker and but that's where they, they watch this yeah so and they uh in yojimbo yeah when he's in uh what is he in yojimbo he's in a barrel yep yeah so it, it's a coffin but like it's a, it's because the coffins that they have it, like at that time in japan what they would do it's like more of a they put you like this like kind of like a barrel type of coffin but then they light it on fire and like they're cremated in that thing okay. uh yeah. so and then they, they would spread those ashes at like the at the cemetery and they would have like a little thing for you okay kind of like a, 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 a their version of a tombstone at yeah. a cemetery like but there wouldn't actually be a body unlike with this one like where it's like an action or like a real on coffin I do in. like the way the scene plays out, though. Him kind of like looking through the cracks in the co- the lid to see what happens, and the Baxters get obliterated. Like Ramon and his men kill every single Baxter. They kill the son, the fucking father, and even Consuelo. Consuelo, yeah, her down as well. Which I thought for a moment they'd let her live, but then I remembered Yojimbo that she dies as well. So I was yeah, like, yeah. Gotta go. But yeah, then men uh, Joe mends himself in a cave, right? Which is yeah, it, it's a it's an abandoned mine. Mine, is yeah. Where he- they call yeah. it a mine. A mine. <laughs> Yo, that's so hilarious that you said that because me and my buddies say it all the time when we're playing D and D. Me and one of my other buddies, especially, like we'll yeah. roll, like I roll and I roll the nine. I'm like, they call it a nine. A nine. Like, a nine. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, or he has one where he'll do the time of Now, whatever, however that goes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Joe mends himself in the cave where he wastes bullets as well as comes up with a plan. So, where's he getting well, bullets? I'm just curious. So similar to um, uh, with the Jimbo because they fuck up his hand, like his his uh, the the hand that he would use to uh, to pull out his gun and like shoot. So he has to learn how to shoot offhand. That's what, and then but what he, what he finds out from that is like, wait a second, I'm shooting this thing, this metal thing, and like it's just ricocheting the bullets. It's not going through. Yeah, and after he gets the idea, it's like, well, let me cut off a piece of that, and he cr- essentially creates a. He also so he, he tests vest. it a couple of times too because he gets the idea, but then it looks like he shoots several bullets in the same area because he knows that Ramon has a rifle, right? He uh, shoots right. so rifle's gonna be a little bit more powerful. I think he tests the metal to see because he knows Ramon's grouping right around the heart, and that's right. Yeah, that's it's a heart a, shape around the heart. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It's just kind of Ramon being able to show like I'm a really good shot with this thing as well. Are you ready to get your minds blown right now, though, dude? What? I mean, this yeah. is a Princess Bride callback, dude. I'm not left-handed. Oh yeah. Yes, you're right. Fucking a right, I'm right, dude. And the actual armor part is a callback to they use this scene in what's it called um Back to the Future three, it's, which is where this scene is in my mind, pop culture wise. That's sure. Yeah. Because I've never seen this film until now. So look at you, archaeologists over there, man! I'm so yeah. proud of you too, junior oh, archaeologists, bro. We're fucking. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Look, it's a dinosaur. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I do like the scene of him down there, sort of like mending his, you know, his wounds and coming together with this plan. And then the casket maker comes to him and tells him, like, you know, they captured Silvanito because they had let Silvanito go after the first beating. They gave him a, like roughed him up, but then they they took him capture because they know that he's the main. Dude, that um, Joe might show his head, you know, if Joe's around still. Pop his head up for the floor, yeah. And they beat him pretty good at that point, too. Yeah. 
And yeah, and they, they actually tie them in a similar way too, as as our uh, in uh, innkeeper from Yojimbo, which is yep. God, that has got to be really painful. And so we get that we get the Iron Man moment of Joe creating something down in the cave. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's funny. And then he, yeah, he creates that plate and tests out his shooting again. Where he realizes like, okay, I can shoot. I I, I got something here. I can still fight back. And then you know he decides to um to go on the attack. But also that's where the uh, the coffin maker shows him like there's some dynamite back there too or something like that, right? And he works at it yeah. with like a distraction sort of. Right, blows it up. Stuff, which I do like that reveal of like the dynamite going off behind of like their compound and then it's like all the smoke and then like through the smoke comes Joe. Yeah. yeah so it's such wait. a great moment in wah, cinema history. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. yeah, we won't we unfortunately we don't get that soundtrack mm-hmm. until the third film. But yeah, it's just like but we still get this great moment of just Joe of you know, it's like you get the kind of that that nice theme that Morricone put through you know he emerges through the uh through the smoke and it's like oh shit shit's about to get real right now and he ends up now like you know Ramon keeps like shooting at him yeah Ramon just like, starts oh. unloading on him yeah so like because Joe unload he kills all the other guys uh you no, know no, Joe doesn't shoot anybody oh no not initially Joe just right. approaches like, like right like here I am yeah. I'm a target look at me I'm back and he keeps baiting him to shoot him. He's yeah. like, aim for the heart. Yeah. After the next couple of times, like he takes a couple shots and after getting up, everybody's sort of like, what the fuck is going on? Because they know yeah, a good shot. And yeah, and that's when he starts taunting him, like aim for the heart. You, you just can't take me down unless you take out my heart. Right. Those are Which is words, what he Ramon. told him. Yeah. Yeah. Those are your, those were your words, your words, Ramon. Yep. Yeah, so it's pretty cool that like he's kind of baiting him, and he what he's trying to do is to get him to expand his clip. He's like, please don't aim for my fucking head, yeah, please, don't yeah. aim for, or my leg, or anything else. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was hearing some like modern, uh, some like uh, some like modern uh, takes on this, and like you have people in the comments, like you know, when they see this scene, it's like, oh yo, you're gonna just shot for his head. It's like, no, that's not the point of the film. Like, but that's Ramon, not Ramon's style. That's not Ramon's style. He aims for the heart. You know, it's like, and so it's like, and so Joe is distracting him and like, kind of like making him focus on shooting him in the heart. Yes, of course he could have been shot in the head, but that's not, that's not the point of the movie. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's people not like paying, it's like reading, it's, it's, it's film comprehension. Like, you know, pay attention to what it's like, what the dialogue is and all like the little like pieces of. Uh, like information that are given through us out throughout the film. The armor, exactly. that yeah, that's the, the heart shape. You know, we see Ramon uh, going for it when he shoots it later on, and then we see him talking about it as well. Yeah, and we it's also a pretty get big the, piece of the film that that dude fucking aims for the heart. He fucking yeah. carves a heart around the heart out of bullets. He practices often. It's yeah, yeah. it's his thing. And then you know we get to see that uh, what's his name, but he anyway. goes Ramon into like keeping to aiming yeah. at that at that. Uh, part of his body because yeah, he knows like how many bullets it basically takes to shoot you know like that many times in the heart when he when ramon does it earlier so we get to see he knows it's like all i gotta do is get this rifle down and i can take them because you know he does know that like oh because it's a callback back to earlier with the the rifle and the the man with the pistol so right yeah uh, if he had just tried to take him out with his 45 right off the bat he might have lost that fight but yeah like, well if i can at least get that rifle to be empty then you know the odds are more in my favor at that point i'm quick enough i think i could take these guys oh yeah 
And I think like, you know, because like he's being shot at and keeps popping back up, it's throwing Ramon, it's using Ramon's strength against him. Right. Yeah, it's sort of giving like a supernatural vibe to him where they're like, what the yeah. fuck is this man doing? He's All right. So now he's going to try and hit him in the heart even fucking harder. You know what I mean? Now he's like, oh shit, no. Yeah. yeah that that was my thought process. Like, if that happens then and you are that sharp of a shooter, now you're going to start being like, well, I'm hitting you right in the fucking vein right here. You know what I mean? Yeah, we do see Ramon like sweating it out too while he's doing right. it. Like, Why isn't this guy dying? Like he's fucking yeah. getting frustrated. Um, yeah, but then Joe, so then Joe shows, you know what, you know, he shows his cards, right? He shows, he moves the poncho and shows the fucking plate. Yep. Basically shows like, uh, you know, I'm not fucking stupid. Gotcha. And then everybody sort of stiffens up like the whole there's that shot of just like who's left. And it's all the rest of the, the Rojo gang, except for Esteban. You don't see him. Right. And then go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have a standoff. Uh, so he, he kills everybody before that standoff, though, right? No, I mean, yeah. he has that standoff like with them and then kills them. Oh, OK. OK. And leaves. Uh, what's his name? Because what's his name didn't have any more bullets. In the yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Ramon. Yeah. So he leaves Ramon alive. But I think he might have either. I don't know if Ramon dropped the gun or he shot it out of his hand. I can't remember either because the gun. I think I think uh, I think he he shot it out of his hand. Yeah, I couldn't tell because you hear five shots go off and he's got six. Right. So he's like, and then the gun ends up on the ground. Yeah. And Ramon's like, oh, fuck, you know, and then he decides, let me level the playing field here. And he uses his six bullet. He shoots down um, Silvanito, who's tied up and. Yep. Yep. Throws his gun on the ground too, and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. So like now they're on the level playing field. Both their guns are empty, and they're both on the ground. A pistol, a 45, and your your Winchester rifle, just like what they were talking about earlier. So I kind of like the symbolism. Symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but or yeah, coming cool. back to that discussion, yeah, definitely. I thought it was a cool callback to the whole debate of rifle versus um pistol and everything, and who's the best in town. And there's a cool scene of just like them getting ready and then they go for it and you see each person putting in their bullet like real quick. Yep. And I, what I thought was a, so you know, obviously they fire at each other and what was a brilliant choice too? like, we see like Ramon stumbling around because Joe got him, but then you see like the uh, Ramon's perspective and like, it, like it's getting fuzzy and like, yeah, you that see was a little him. bit of camera work. I wasn't anticipating. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a great yeah. shot. Yeah. I was waiting for him to like fall down the well. Yeah, like, oh, that me too. Spinning, and the next thing you know, he's like, oh. exactly what I thought too. He falls like, oh, you know, he leans over it and dies. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, and so like you think like, oh shit, there it is, it's done, it's handled. But we see some double barrel uh, coming out the tip of a double barrel coming out of like a window, mm-hmm. some blinds. I right? had a hole in the blinds, and we're like, oh shit. You know, it's the shooter on the grassy knoll. Like, what's yeah? yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's another shooter. But um, at this point, since he's been rescued, uh, Silvanito, he's got his fucking he's strapped and he fucking blasts that guy. And we fa- we find out it's uh, Esteban. He was hiding because he's a sneaky little fuck. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. bastard. You're going to shoot him in the back. Yeah, this is a. it was all like uh, this. This final scene was like so great. Like, uh, you know, the confrontation between like Ramon and Joe. And like Esteban doing his thing, like you know, he's high on the window, and Silvanito's like, "Fuck this guy! I'm gonna shoot him, take him out, like protect Joe because he saved me." Yeah, and I and like that. 
balance of like sort of with their relationship like you just saved me and now i just saved your ass you know what i mean and right. like you didn't really get that with your jimbo as much with the cantina no. i mean with the um saki guy yeah so I like that this film even though it borrows it it does uh do its own thing too yeah it does and and then joe just yeah, gets on his way and leaves town like it, as, it's like your jimbo yeah, yeah and like you know he's gonna leave this town to now find its own way like this town is free to kind of structure themselves how they want to be hopefully because the yeah you know, 100% of the corruption that was plaguing the place is gone now. So, and I could see like, I could see Silvanito being like the next sheriff or something like that. You know what I mean? Because at yeah, least yeah. he may not have the capability to be like a great fucking, um, you know, gunslinger, but he's got the heart and he cares about this town enough that like he'll get involved. You know what I mean? And he'll, yeah. he'll, 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 you know, he'll keep whatever work Joe put in, he'll keep it going. You know, he's above board. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much the film. Uh, yeah, it just ends. What's that? One thing I don't like about old films when they just end. Yeah, just that. Yeah, it's not even music or anything like I'm used to credits and like a good score after. And some movies just end. They're like done. Yep. Yeah, it, it is. It is one of those. Um, so I just wanted to before we kind of get into our, our ratings, I did want to talk about like the lawsuit uh, that happened. Um, oh, yeah. So, we covered your Jimbo, so it's definitely relevant. Right. So the. Uh, so obviously, uh, uh, Kurosawa when he when he saw this film, it's like, hey, did did you uh, did you like this film? It's like, yeah, it's my film. Of course, I like it. You know, it's like because yeah, yeah. it, it is pretty much a carbon copy of Yojimbo. Uh, and so there was a lawsuit that Toho, the Toho, which is the production company that did Yojimbo, filed against. Um, I forget what the production company is. Uh, I think it was Constantine Films that did this film. Uh, they uh, Toho filed a lawsuit. They obviously won. Now, in the lawsuit, they're like, "Oh no, we didn't take from Yojimbo exclusively. Like, we took inspiration from these other sources, and like, we just kind of incorporated it all together." But I think that's kind of bullshit because not yeah, only did uh, like when when Clint Eastwood read the script, he's like, "Oh, this is Yojimbo. I love this film. Of course, I want to do this film." And when Leone watched your Jimbo is like we need to make a we need to make a western based off of this film. So they knew what they were doing, but obviously like you know they have to you know you know perform some shenanigans in in a lawsuit to you know not lose it. But they lost, and so I think so Toho took some. I think they took a certain percentage of the profits. I, I think it was like one or two percent, not too much. Real quick before and, you go on, what, is Toho is that the one who does all the monster films too? Yeah, is that so Godzilla? So all the Godzilla, like the kaiju films, like yeah, you yeah. Know, Godzilla, you know Rodan and all, all Mothra, all that. That's to all Toho. Okay, My and bad. most the majority of the Kurosawa films, those are all Toho films. Okay, so they want a certain percentage of the profits. They also won distribution rights in Japan. So all the poster work, all the posters for Japan, all like how this film was, you know, uh, shown in posters that I, I found online too. Of Yeah. So Toho had all the uh, control of distribution in Japan. Do you want to know what the film was titled in Japan? Yo, what? Jimbo 2. Uh, Electric Boogaloo? Well, not quite. It was the return of you, Jimbo. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's what they titled it. They went with, they leaned into the Yojimbo thing. They did. They did lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, and uh, there, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't find the clip for you guys. I have it on my Blu-ray of the uh, the Man with No Name trilogy. 
the the uh, Sergio Leone's biographer has collected all all of his all the work, like you know, when it comes to fistful of dollars and all pretty much all of Leone's work. And so he has all the posters that were done for this. And yeah, he was talking about how yeah, it's he has all the Japanese posters, all the Italian posters, like yeah, those all, things for a good penny. Oh, yeah, he, he said like when, when I die, I'm gonna ha- have this put up in a museum somewhere. But yeah, it's really great film. I really like this film. It's it's a lot of fun. You want to tell us how much you like it? I do. Well, but first, I want to explain our rating system. So yeah. if you're if you're new to uh, Cinemigos, we do something a little different here. Our rating systems from top to bottom are instant classic, buy it, rent it, just watch the trailer, or never ever watch this shit. Uh, and so for me, this film just uh, so. Yojimbo is one of my favorite films of all time. And also the Dollars Trilogy, which is, this is the the first one of that. Uh, I do like the sequels better than this one. But this film is important to history, obviously. Uh, it it launched the careers of uh, Sergio Leone, Ennio Morricone, and Clint Eastwood, and made them superstar name. But like I said, I like, I like other films uh the other dollar trilogies films better and i like yojimbo better so obviously i can't rate it as high as i would rate those films yeah so i'm gonna go in with a a rent it slash buy it because of that that doesn't mean that this this is a bad film by by any means i think that this would be a great double billing if watch yojimbo and watch this a fistful of dollars together i think you're gonna see i think it's gonna be a great double feature for you you're going to see it. Obviously, you're, you're watching the same film in, in a in a way in different types of uh, avenues. You know, yeah, you're cultural seeing a, settings. A, yeah, a cultural setting. Like you're seeing a samurai film and you're seeing a Western, but you're seeing the same story and like how they adapted it. And I think they did really well, especially considering uh, knowing that this film was made for two hundred thousand dollars. And I mean, it doesn't look. So it was a uh, it was a low budget film, but that doesn't mean it was a cheap film by any means. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm gonna go with uh, rent it slash buy it. If you uh, I would I would recommend watching it, and if you really like it, go ahead and buy it. I th- I know I have the I have the whole trilogy in one pack, but I know there's some really great 4K releases of A Fistful of Dollars that look awesome. I might end up going double bubble and buying the. Uh, you know all the all the sequels in 4K like it's gonna uh, be everything now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I love that term. That was a that was a great thing from uh, the gentleman. Yeah, but uh, yeah. That, so that's my rating. Uh, why don't we go with you, John? What What do you think about the film? Uh, what? How would you rate this thing? Me? Okay. Well, let me break it down for you. Yeah, it was a good film. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Yojimbo. So I I think uh, it's impossible. It's impossible for somebody to call Yojimbo an instant classic to have anything to negative, anything negative to say about this film because it's they're basically the same film, except one. I didn't have to fucking read and it was in color, you know, so for for me, uh, I really enjoyed uh, A Fistful of Dollars. I thought it was great for all the reasons that we've already talked about. It was enjoyable it's cool to see a young clint eastwood watching this with uh with newer eyes of a of an older film i think it's just like oh shit it's interesting to see that and go damn he really used to look different huh 
and and just to see see it all kind of you know come to to fruition of how of how his start came about and how he became this you know because when I think of Clint Eastwood, one thousand percent, my thought is like, oh, the the old guy who used to do a bunch of westerns. Yeah, you know what I mean, and 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 to see the kickoff point of that is really interesting. Um, I like the time. The time was perfect, nice. Like I said, real crisp hour and a half. Felt good. So for me, this is a buy it. I would, I would say this is a buy it. It's uh, I wouldn't call it an instant classic. Be, be strictly for the the same reasons that uh, you kind of mentioned, Rob. It's it 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 took a film that was already an instant classic and just kind of fucking copied it. So it's still a good film. Uh, still buy yeah. it. It's still dope. But I I. I'm very hesitant to call it an instant classic. All right. I agree. Well, what about you, buddy? Rent it, buy it? So mine was rent it slash buy it. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. That I First, that a double feature of this and you know, Jimbo, that'd be cool. Uh, like, Billing, you do that like an old school theater. And oh, yeah. And like, get people that are in the film. That'd be cool. That'd yeah. be I would like that. Um, there was something else I wanted to say, too, that John was saying, but I forgot what it was. I didn't want to cut in on your review, though. Damn. I'm forgetful tonight. Anyway, uh, my review. So I did. Uh, I did like you, Jimbo. Uh, also, um, and oh, John. I what I wanted to say was, weren't you? Were you on for a western for waxing at one point? Weren't you on for a western? Uh, yeah, yeah. What western was it? It was uh, the one that Steve shits on every chance. Oh, he gets. McCabe and McCollin, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 McCabe yeah. and Mister uh, McCabe and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Miller. That's a good movie. Shut yeah, up. Jim, Jim thought so, but Jim, Steve Jim, that, that was Jim's big. He, Jim loves With it. Warren Beatty. That's a great fucking film. And, and they really, uh, uh, they, I, I'm gonna buy the Criterion version of that. That's a great film. Well, uh, we were we were going to do so initially, like you know, the whole fucking premise for their. For real quick, Hydrobrake, let me just get this off. Yeah, go ahead. The whole premise for their fucking podcast is Steve has seen a total of fucking seven movies in his life. And, <laughs> and Jim is a movie guy. You know, that's what he fucking loves movies. Like hidden gem movie guy, too. He knows exactly. Like, so he wanted to have the podcast where he brings these things to Steve and Steve gets his mind blown. And, you know, they, uh, it's a, a, a showing, you fucking get the idea. <laughs> so when he talked to me about coming on, one of mine, like a gun to your head, greatest movie all time, go Cool Hand Loop. I don't, I don't even got to think about it's it. A right? Great fucking movie, yeah. That is one of the seven fucking films that Steve had happened to <laughs> seen. So they were like, "Hey, we can't do Cool Hand Luke because he's seen it." So uh, I was like, "Oh damn, that's a bummer. That would be perfect." And that's when Jim was like, "Yo, we'll do uh, Macabre and Miss Miller." And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. Cause I had never even seen it, but he's like, it's, he's like, it's cool hand, Lukey. You'll, you'll dig it. it. It's a, it's a vibe. You'll enjoy it. And I was like, word. Yeah, let's do it. And I didn't have, I, I didn't think the movie was bad. I didn't think it was fucking great. I was yeah. a little bit thrown off because going into it, I was thinking this is going to be along the lines of cool hand Luke and it's fucking not. And so it no. just like for me, it just it fucked the, the viewership up of it. Well, Steve just shit on it for like <laughs> two and a half hours. Just like absolute <laughs> dog shit, yeah. dog shit, shit, dog shit. Like uh, except for all the racist jokes, that was funny. It was dog shit. Like that was Steve's review of the movie. And it's funny <laughs> because it's like one of the worst. Like it goes down in their podcast as one of the worst things he's ever watched. 
and I have to be fucking associated. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that film. It's a good. It's a good film, and I'm actually gonna buy it and check it out because of that episode. Yeah, I actually I need to listen to that episode because that sounds like it's gonna be fun. I actually I, start. I actually started the movie, and it was like a little boring at first. So I think yeah, I yeah. like checked out or something because I remember searching it and starting it. That's yeah. that's kind of the era of the new western is McCabe and Mrs. Miller because yeah. the western had died before that, and this it was like is the modern the age coming of, into yeah yeah it was kind of resurrecting the western. And I think it's great. I think they did a good job. All right. So uh, sorry for the tangent. But yeah, I wanted I meant to mention that because I was like, yeah, you were on for a Western. I thought it was one of the other ones because they did. They did a couple Clint Eastwood films or at least one of them. As yeah, well. they did, so, yeah. Did, did you like this one better than McCabe and Mrs. Miller, uh, John? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, all right. So my review, some some pros that I really enjoyed about this film. I really enjoyed the musical score. Um it had a Western sound to it, but it also still managed. I th- it felt like once in a while it added a little bit of the samurai vibes of the Ojimbo. Um, yes, it did. Yeah. I could pick up on certain tones. Where I was just like, yeah, this sounds like a blend. And I, I dig on that. I think that's cool. You, you're, you're paying homage to this film or copying it, ripping it off. However you want to look at it, you know, and it's good that at least you're tipping your hat in moments um, that are done creatively. I thought this film handles that pretty well, as far as like, you know, doing an adaptation of something that just came out like three years ago. So it's hot, you know, Clint Eastwood is aware of it as a, as a, you know, fan of film at this moment, he's jazzed about it, at least to do it. If he hasn't seen it, at least he knows the story. It seems it's also a gorgeous film. I thought even, even now it's like what, almost 60 years later, the cinematography looks really good. Um, I like the setting set design and what little budget they had, they used it pretty well. I thought, there's no moment where I'm like, oh, I see the string or this movie looks cheap. It's like yeah. it they nail the aesthetic and the vibe for it. And I know the 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 edition I'm seeing nowadays is remastered and stuff like that. So I could see it on scratchy film and back in the day probably looked pretty rad. But um, I don't know. I just thought it's a clean looking film. It looks nice. I like it. Um, and they did a pretty good job of what they had. Some great acting in this one. Also, Clint Eastwood obviously nails it. In my opinion, I like the subdued nature of him a little bit, but he's not like he's not the man with no words. You know what I mean? Like he does speak. He just he toned it down a little bit. It sounds like uh, for a creative reason. I think it works for his character. So I like that. I also like uh, a lot of the secondary characters as well, like Silvertine. So, um, um, yes. What's his name? Silvanto. Silvertino. I keep Silvanito. Silvanito. That's why I keep wanting to say Tino. That's why that's why I get tripped up. Um, change your name, bro. Silvertino probably sounded more um, Italian. So yeah, a little too spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I found his portrayal really good. Like all the little ins and outs of the Rojo gang. I thought all those characters were pretty cool. Uh, the Baxters, I do think, could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Um, but overall, I thought all the characters were pretty good, and I like the villains, like especially Ramon. You know, like Ramon's a pretty cool villain. Not even necessarily. He's on the edge of mustache twirly, but he's not quite there. I feel like he no. still take him seriously as a guy. Like he's lethal and yeah. willing to do whatever. So like, I never like felt like, oh, there's moments in the film. You're like, oh, he might kill our hero. Like, who knows? You know, who knows how it's going to how it's going to go down? Yeah, but, we don't know. And like John said, I do like the pacing of the film, not just the runtime's good. It's a little bit over an hour and a half, but also the pacing of it. I thought uh, they did a good amount with that time. Um, where the movie flows and there's moments of like slowness, but they're not overly slow and they're acted well and there's good like dialogue in them. So 
I like those moments where we're building up certain things of like the cemetery scene or him crawling around. Like there's always something to, to look at and enjoy. I think I felt with this film, um, the Baxters though, like a con, they felt really underdeveloped. It's like the other side. It's another family that lives on the other side of this little town. It's so funny that this like town's really small, actually like the two sides, you could, they could see each other. <laughs> it's yeah. like, they're arguing all the time. It's like the, yeah. uh, that famous uh, Southern family. Uh, what is it? Oh, the... yeah. Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of that a little bit. Um, so like and seeing the workings of the two feuding families, like I wish I would have they would have gone a little bit deeper into that and have fleshed that out a little bit more. Um, I don't know. He could have shown a couple more encounters with them or whatever. I wanted to see the Baxters maybe doing more of what they do for a business. Like I like that in Yojimbo. We kind of saw these businesses doing their thing, too, a little yeah. bit. I think it established them better. So that when Yojimbo takes them down, I mean, uh, Sanjuro takes them down, we we understand what, what they're about. Like, we don't really get that scene in this as much where he takes them down. Like, in, in Yojimbo, you know, he takes down the distillery or they take down the distillery based on what he did uh, previously. So it's like, I wish we kind of got a little bit more of that in the film. If you're going to borrow from Yojimbo, I thought that was something odd to sort of keep out. Um yeah, and I think the way the film borrows from Yojimbo is fine, but like the controversy surrounding that and what they did, like not giving Kurosawa his due, is is a blemish on the film. I'll admit, you know what I mean. Um, Absolutely, it feels like it could be an instant classic because of what it means to like westerns and what it means to pop culture and to uh, Clint Eastwood's career. And I think that's interesting. And it's sort of it. It has classic status in my mind as far as pop culture goes because it's a you hear about this film all the time you hear about the good the bad and ugly a lot more i feel like just because of the title um but fistful of dollars I'm, i've always heard of and i always knew it was like supposedly one of clint's best movies and i can agree upon that i think it's a really good film so with that said i'm giving a fistful of dollars i'm gonna give it a buy it slash instant classic because i think it's worth buying a lot of people are gonna buy it and i see the classic nate like it is a classic uh you know but we know about like, imagine you see this film, you don't even know about you, Jimbo. Then it's a fucking classic, probably, in most people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we know about you, Jimbo. And I do think it, that that aspect is always going to keep it from not being an instant classic, in my mind, because Yojimbo did it first. It's yeah. a Jimbo story, you know what I mean? And Yojimbo did it elegantly. Um, but I do love the the similar nature to these films. And I do I kind of like the fact that someone was inspired by you, Jimbo, like, Hey, we need to take this to American audiences, but we'll film it in Spain and it'll be made by Italians. I don't know. Like it's confusing, but it all came yeah, in. It is. <laughs> I thought it was. I, I love, cool. I love the spread of our, uh, our reviews here. Cause I, I'm actually kind of on the lower spectrum. Cause I, I have seen the rest of the dollars trilogy. And I actually think the other two films are better than this one. And this yeah, is a good know, film. So, yeah, it's like, and and I obviously I love you, Jimbo, a lot, and it's just like, I, but I'm like I said, I'm I'm really happy with our spread here because, and well, and we're all positive on this. This is a great film to watch. I think everyone should see this at least once. There are some classic scenes too that have been like homage oh, in other films and stuff like the like the 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 deal gone wrong with the reveal of the Gatling gun and him gunning everybody down. Like that's a, that's a scene that people know about whether they've seen this film or not, or like. Other movies have taken that scene and done their version of it. You know what I mean? Back Absolutely. to the Future Three. Yeah, um, yeah. The armor plating is is obviously like been used before. Um, you know, the guy in the cave getting ready. The you know the creative like oh, I'm coming back. I'm gonna go against the 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 guy who put me down the first time. And 
but yep. I'm coming in creative. I'm going to build something, whatever. Like that's been used in other films. So there's there's a lot of that in this film. I I think I think you can definitely call this a classic. Like I get with that we're a little bit Absolutely. all over the spectrum, but um, yeah, I wouldn't begrudge anybody saying like, oh, have you seen the classic Fistful of Dollars? Because right. But it is. Yeah, it's a good point. It's I think that's a perfect score. I think you're absolutely right. And for those for those reasons, it makes absolute sense. I just think of like all the old men that have watched this that never saw Yojembo and are just fucking yeah. skyrocketing out of their chairs that we're all not calling this an instant classic. But it's like that's the thing. If, <laughs> if I had not seen Yojembo, I could probably just clearly exactly. say exactly. Yep. But. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, that, that's exactly why I chose this film. And I chose Yojimbo first because I wanted you guys to see this before this film and for this very reason. And um, yeah, I was going to really... say, yeah, like, what do you think about this guy? Like, he's he's making us watch the same film twice. Like, what's with this, you know? <laughs> but it was definitely fun. But uh, yeah, real interesting. Well, yeah, let's uh, what, what are we going to be uh, reviewing next week? Heidelberg, oh, it's your pick. Next week is my pick. Um yeah, uh, so uh, with my other podcast, we covered um, a couple. Um, we covered Grindhouse with another um, podcast together, and uh, one of those movies is Death Proof. And in that movie, they mention a movie called Vanishing Point, which I had kind of seen once when I was younger. After seeing Death Proof the first time, I needed to know what this film was. And then it's been mentioned a couple of times recently in my life, so I just kind of was like, you know, it's an older film. Um, I've been picking a lot of newer films, so I was like, let me pick something a little bit older. And so, yeah, it's from 1971, Vanishing Point, and uh, it's a car movie. There's some car stuff in there and some other things. Yeah, it's a it's a product of the time, too. So uh, it, it should make for an interesting conversation. And even though I've seen it once, it's sort of going to be like a brand new watch for me again, too. So it's been a while since I've seen it. Well, I've never seen it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. The expanding uh, cinematic horizons. Well, speaking of a cut above and you doing death proof, where can where can we reach you, Heidelberg? Oh, on a cut above a horror review, my other podcast, you can reach me at um you can reach us, me, John, and Jacqueline, at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at cut above horror and on Facebook at a cut above horror review. And uh you can find us anywhere that you can find podcasts. Any podcast launcher app will be there. Yeah. John, what are you doing, buddy? Where where can people talk to you? Me, I actually have too many fans, so I would actually appreciate nobody needs to come around my place anymore. I have too many people around. I don't need to tell anybody else what's going on, dude. It's fucking getting out of on stage. It's getting out of hand, dude. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> All these fucking freaks showing up. I just I'm 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 sick of meeting new people. So I'll tell you guys next week, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And if you're really interested what i do i i also have another podcast similar to heiderberg i do a podcast called a circle of jerks you can reach us on instagram circle of jerks podcast and instagram at podcast coj or if you want to reach out to me personally i am at robo rice i'm always talking about movies sports games what have you yeah if you want to hear more like in-depth uh, older films and um the trivia and stuff like that. Like Rob's really good at that. And they, they do that a lot on circle of jerks when you guys review uh, some of those films. And I've been on circle of jerks. It's a, I was just yeah, going to yeah. say, didn't you guys do a real dope aliens collab? We did. Fuck yeah, we did. We did a co- I've been on three times. We did a couple interesting films. We did. Yeah. Uh, we've done so Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Yeah. We did uh Tetsuo, the Iron Man aliens. And we also, what else did we, Oh, the we thing, the thing and the, the thing from another world. Or, yeah, yeah. We did a kind a, of a, double, did a double feature. feature. Yeah. So if you got like three and a half 
air is bullshit about the thing and ooze and gush about the John Carpenter's the thing. It's a good yeah. <laughs> aliens too. I mean, that was a fun. I mean, yeah. Aliens. And John, we got to get you on uh, on Circle of Jerks as well. We'll we'll make that happen. Oh yeah, man. Let me know. I'll be there. Well, he doesn't want to make uh, any new friends yet lately, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take a well, number, dude. Get in line, Rob. For fuck's so, sake. So well, now now that I've heard that, like you love Cool Hand Luke. We have not reviewed Cool Hand Luke oh, on wow. the podcast. Maybe that's what we're gonna do. Oh fucking a! I can do that. All that's yeah. I I can. I'm I down can to do that, that movie beginning to end, dude. No problem. Like I've seen that Fuck movie. Yeah. All right. That's gonna be your circle of jerks debut. Cool Hand Luke. Book that oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> so uh, if they wanted to find us, the Cinemigos, where could they find us, Rob? Well, you can reach us on X slash Twitter at Trace Cinemigos. T r e s c i n e m i g o s. I guess we're just calling it X now. I guess I don't know. I guess over, so. I've been I, resistant, but over time, I'm just starting to fucking X. That's so dumb. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. But if you want to talk to us on Instagram, you can find us at uh, Cinemigos one word underscore podcast. All right. And remember, guys, when you shoot to kill, you better hit the heart. your badges badges we ain't got no badges we don't need no badges i don't have to show you any stinking badges